The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Goodnight Maryland Radio with your host, Nina Bosky. It's been more than 50 years since the tragic death of one of Hollywood's biggest stars at the time and in history, Marilyn Monroe. Nina seeks to uncover the life and death of this legendary star as it coincides with the pre-production of the feature film, Goodnight Marilyn. You'll get a chance to question, explore, and discover the secrets surrounding what really happened that fateful night back in 1962. Let's start the conversation. Here is the host of Goodnight Maryland Radio, Nina Bosky. She had a knowledge of what makes a man tick. I mean, things she learned from the ground up. And men could see that she knew and could play their game. And that's what attracted them to her. Beside the fact that she was quite beautiful. Quite beautiful. Well, there was something honeyed about her, uh, something, uh, something fetching. Uh, her, her very, uh, her smile and and her conscious sexuality she was a, a gifted comedian, in my opinion. There's no question about that. She understood comedy. She had developed herself. Nobody gave her that peculiar, those, those marvelous mannerisms, the 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 thin, high voice, the the funny look, whatever was Marilyn, you know, that uh, people imitate and never quite come up to. That was all her. And the great success of of Monroe, I think, was that uh, she did not infuriate the female. By that I mean if if, if I told my wife after I uh, worked or saw a picture with Monroe, let's say, she said, my God, I'm crazy about her. She says she would understand it, but if I told her, boy, God, do I wish I could spend the night with Farrah Fawcett Major? She would hit me in the mouth. <laughs> well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Goodnight Maryland Radio, and welcome to the show as we explore the investigation, the life, and the movie of Marilyn Monroe. Well, as you know, we have Maryland fans around the world, and we are all together this week to honor the woman the human being, and not just the human being, but the star that is shining so brightly even 53 years later. And, uh, you know, today's show is going to be fun and festive. That's really what it's supposed to be. And, uh, you know, and we're going to be talking about classic Hollywood. And the Formosa Cafe here, Formosa Cafe, is classic Hollywood at its best, as we all know. And uh, the investigation, you know, we're going to split it up into three areas today. We're going to be talking about classic Hollywood, and we've got some wonderful guests all lined up. We're going to be talking about Marilyn. We're going to be hearing from the people that are going to be live with us today, hearing their favorite Marilyn moments, because... 
you know, it's a bittersweet day in a lot of ways because it is the anniversary of her death, but it's also the celebration of her life and who she was as a woman and the golden age of Hollywood that encompasses Marilyn Monroe, but it encompasses so much more than her. I'm, I'm sitting amongst Dean Martin. I'm actually listening to Dean Martin in the background. <laughs> We've got Kathleen Hughes, Ed Dasner, uh, Mark Rydell. I'm looking at uh, Paul Newman, Elizabeth Taylor, Spencer Tracy, Jane Russell, uh, was it, J- you know, John Wayne, right? People, Randall? People who, have, people who have been here in this at the Formosa uh, over decades. It's a extremely popular uh, Hollywood hangout for many, many years. And I just want to say uh, welcome to everyone who's coming. We've got three hours, uh, three hours of incredible uh, programming today. Uh, wonderful guests who are here who are all looking at me talking. I feel really <laughs> nervous. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we have listeners to this program. There's been, since this just started in February, there's been over 20,000 people that have tuned into this program internationally from the United States and Germany and Denmark and the Netherlands, Sweden. Um, we're just reading down the actual list here of countries that listen to us. Brazil, it- Toscana, Italy, uh, the Philippines, France, uh, Romania, Israel. I mean, everywhere all over the world, Maryland fans are tuning into this program. So, you know, join us for this incredible three-hour broadcast. We're going to have a boatload of fun today. And I just want to also say a special thanks to a lot of people. Uh, First of all, Randall Libero, who is our executive producer. Uh, Without that concept of, hey, Nina, you know, and his (laughs) own love for Maryland, your real love for Maryland. And and really being able to, we've got Greg Schreiner in the house, you know, Maryland remembered. And a lot of the Maryland fans that are here in Los Angeles are going to be visiting the Westwood Memorial park tomorrow to honor the life of Marilyn Monroe but the immortal Marilyn uh, Mary Sims over there as well as our panel that you know the experts that are really dispelling fact from fiction probable theory from outlandish rumor right, especially and be joining us today and we have some announcements to make about the investigation and in the la- our last hour so stay tuned for that yeah but I just also want to say a little special thank you to Gary Vitaka Robles Leslie Kasperowitz and Mary Jane Gray because without them, this show would not be possible, as well as the guests that have all been included, and especially you, the fans, and everybody at Voice America Network. So with that said, um, and then we're going to be talking to them. Hey, the film, the director, the, the producers, other producers are going to be here today. So we'll learn a little bit more about Goodnight, Marilyn, as well. So it'll be fun. So let's get this ball rolling. Uh, we have our first guest, and uh, it's going to be fun to listen to the secrets of the Formosa Cafe. And Randall, do you want anything that you want, else you wanted to say there? Uh, if you, if anyone who has the Periscope app on their phone, it's a live streaming app. You can find it in your app store for your device. Uh, put it on your phone and look for Goodnight Maryland TV. And you can uh, watch us here at the Formosa. We're having a live stream. Just search the Los Angeles uh, streams on the Periscope app and you can see us. And watch us as we're doing like this. this. Watch all the like crazy hey, people. Hey, hey. Okay, yeah, we're all we're all waving at the camera. All so, right, uh, so I'll jump off here. And, okay, great. Uh, we're and I've got Vince show. Young, who is the owner of the Formosa Cafe, and we are going to learn some secrets of what actually happened back in the walls and the floors of the Formosa. Vince, hi, welcome to the show. <laughs> it's so fun. So. 
Glad to have you here. Thank Thanks you. for being patient with us. This is a live event show, so we're we're not. Uh, uh, and uh, somebody's trying to tell me something here. Are you good? Oh, everybody's good. So, <laughs> all right. Well, so welcome to the show. I had Thank the you. I had the pleasure of being able to. Um, being able to come over to the Formosa and look at the rich history of the guest books that have actually all the celebrities that have been here over the years. Um, I mean, we even have Kathleen Hughes over here that's written in the auto, autograph book. And, you know, the stars from, I was just saying, Dean Martin to Paul Newman to John Wayne. And you've got a great story about John Wayne. Would you tell us that wonderful story? Well, the, the story about John Wayne was more about my dad's experience with him and um yeah you'd be a little young (laughs) a little old (laughs) if that was the case and um basically what happened was i remember my dad coming home from work and he was talking to somebody calls from work of course in the restaurant business there's always something going on and they're like hey there's there's a guy sitting in the restaurant and he's passed out and oh my god we don't know what to do with him and it's it's mr wayne so my dad (laughs) now how how late was it it was probably like, you know, back in the day, we didn't, we didn't close at 2 a.m. because people started with their two, three martini lunches at noon, <laughs> which we don't really do anymore. So he was like, well, I'll tell you what, I got to open for breakfast tomorrow and um, I'll come get him. Don't worry about it. Just let him, let him sleep. So next morning, my dad comes in to, you know, open up. And as he walks into the kitchen, John Wayne's in the kitchen cooking breakfast. Oh, my gosh. He's cooking breakfast? And he's asking my dad how he wants his ass. <laughs> you got to love it. I think everybody, if you think about John Wayne, you know, you don't think about him in the kitchen cooking breakfast and coming in. I mean, what a, that's such a great story. Well, I mean, you would think that if he comes in and he, he wakes up and he's like, where am I? It's like, no, nah, I'm hungry. Where am I going to go? Well, the fun thing about it, too, is in a couple of minutes, we're going to have Mark Rydell, who actually directed The Cowboys back in 1972. And I think uh, Ed Asner actually has a great story about John Wayne. So John Wayne seems to be the presence of uh, the Formosa Cafe today. He's you know? the fun guy. <laughs> the fun guy. So, you know, I mean, obviously he was a fun guy. I mean, he was is really popular. So tell me how the Formosa got started. Just give us a little little insight into that. Well, the... The start of Formosa kind of came about in a very, I guess, inf- notorious way, so to speak. Uh, my grandfather had a business partner. His name was Jimmy Bernstein. And, and the story kind of goes how true it is. I'm not really sure because nobody ever really talks about it. And um, his business partner, Jimmy Bernstein, and his brother, Tommy, were part of the Jewish mob. And the, the legend goes that Tommy won the Formosa in a poker match. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so when Tommy passed away, Jimmy inherited it, and Jimmy didn't know much about the restaurant business. And basically what he did was, like, he and my grandfather were friends, and he's like, look, you run the kitchen, I'll run the bar, and we'll be partners. Well, there you go. So and you've got the Chinese the and the Jewish coming together. Or, as Not. they say, there's a legend <laughs> of, there's like, you know, they're like mob ties, and they had... Some kind of interesting connection. Okay, stop right there, because that that all of a sudden it brings us to the wonderful safe in the floor. So how in the world did that get there? And it's still there to this day. Well, the the safe that's sitting underneath table two now, uh, that used to be an office. And uh, apparently that was Mickey Cohen's safe. Oh, my gosh. So they would run, you know, they did, they ran numbers here. And when he did the pickup... That's where they got the money from. Oh, my gosh. That is fun. That, you think about that, right, back in the day. But you could do that kind of stuff, right? Right. 
you know so so you know i think there's also people not just from long ago there was a great uh you know frank sinatra story that you had too that i think is really cool if you think about it legend has right when he won the oscar right well legend has that when he won the oscar the first place he stopped at was here at formosa to have a drink before he went on to party the rest of the night (laughs) so but and also he was there he just came in by himself with his oscar just by himself Oscar was sitting on the table, had a drink, and off he went. Off he went. You know, one of the things that I find so fascinating when I was looking through the book, Vince, is how gracious everybody was. Oh, this is my favorite place. I love this place. I love the egg rolls, you know, from uh, Ed, uh, you know, uh, was it Jodie Foster? You know, I love the egg rolls and Drew Barrymore, Rob Lowe. I mean, those, and then Jeff Bridges and, and, you know, drawing wonderful pictures and stuff, you know, so. Well, I think. You know, you're talking about a day when today we have cell phones. There's pictures taken all the time. People are, you know, you have a lot of paparazzi. Whereas back then, people can go hang out somewhere. Yeah. Our establishment has always maintained the fact that this is where you can be comfortable, not be harassed, and have a drink, have something to eat, and just relax and not worry about it. So we'd like to always maintain that genre of what we're able to consistently and that's harder and harder to do today because of the digital age you know i mean you walk outside and radar online is you know right there tracking tracking where you are you know like brad pitt you know would frequent here and you know the minute he would walk outside he was you know the minute he would walk outside (laughs) i would get a text you know from people i know saying why didn't you tell me he was there so it's just it's not as it's it's not as readily available Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, you have a remodel that has just went on and you haven't quite opened it up to the public downstairs. But when will it be open for? Um, Right now, at this stage, we're almost done. Okay. Now we're looking hopefully in the next couple of weeks or so. Okay. And you've got a wonderful rooftop deck. So for everybody that still loves the old charm of Hollywood and yet has the flavor of the new, you've been able to keep the old and the new. I love the booths. We're sitting actually in Marilyn's booth, booth uh, number five. And uh, she used to come over here, for those of you why we're doing it at the Formosa, she used to come over here when she was filming Some Like It Hot and uh, would have lunch over here. So, And I'm sure we're going to hear some more stories. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for having us and hosting us again and uh, you know, giving us a few little tidbits of the secrets of the Formosa. It's my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Vin. Vince. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Goodnight, Marilyn Radio. I'm Nina Bosky, and we will be back with the boys, Ed Asner and Mark Rydell. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Mad Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. 
Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to Goodnight Maryland Radio. We are having, obviously, a live show, and the boys are still talking. You guys, they're already talking, and we haven't even started yet. So, I, I, you know, the one thing I have to say, and this is just amazing, I was looking at the two of you and your credits. I'm better looking, right? Well, you're, you're just as handsome. Yeah. Yes. I didn't ask yes. you that. Okay, you want to be better. You'll be better looking right now. For the first five minutes, that's Ed Asner, by the way. Uh, for the first few minutes, Ed is going to be more good looking than you, Mark, okay? And then the next five minutes, I'll, I'll switch over to you. So well, I, <laughs> I don't think you're going to make it. I don't think. <laughs> so here's the beauty of the two of them. I had a chance to interview the both of them a few years ago on my Life Bites live show. And I have to say, they probably could have their own show. I mean, seriously, the two of you could have your own show. I mean, just let it. (laughs) Well, I want to just say welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having us. Yeah, and of course, welcome. It's it's so fun to have because you guys know a lot about Hollywood, and for those of you who may be listening in and don't know the rich history, and you know, I think that classic Hollywood and the golden age of Hollywood is something that we really need to savor. And it's hard to do because as much as I want to be able to uh, go back in time, I can't go back to that time. But the two of you actually can. You lived it. I mean, we're that old. well, but you know what, though? You're older than I am. Yes, <laughs> yeah, Much older. So so let me just go over a little bit of the credits for these guys, okay? So we've got Mark here, right? Mark Rydell. Are He's you sure? An, yeah, I think so. That's I think me. he is. Academy Award-nominated director. Mm. And you may not know this also, but he is a producer as well. Mm. Yes, he I directed. never gave me a job. Was <laughs> oh, not my... good enough? <laughs> oh, no. The Rose for the Boys. He both he, he produced and directed that Intersection. Right, you produced that. The River. You directed James Dean story. You also have a great story about James Dean. You directed on Golden Pond. You got nominated. The movie won three Oscars, uh, fourteen other awards, twenty nominations. I mean. You know, between the two of you, right? And then we have Mr. Asner over here that you can't five Golden Globes, seven Emmys, seventeen other wins, twenty three nominations. I mean, I mean, seriously. Oh, (laughs) you know, the reason why I say this and I want to point it out is because it takes a lot of work to make it in this town, let alone stay here. 
And that's why we need to honor the people that have come before us. And that's why I am so honored to have the two of you. Well, isn't that sweet of you to say that? Well, it's just, I, I mean it. I really do. I mean, you guys, I mean, it, it's hard enough to just stay, let alone get awards, you know? And I, I don't want to make this the award show, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I do, I do, I do. He's a big talent. So, so tell me how you guys met. How did we meet? We must know each other 50 years. Not till the Virginian. Gunsmoke. <laughs> gunsmoke. <laughs> I directed him on a gunsmoke. He, he didn't. Yeah, it wasn't on a gunsmoke. It was the Virginian. Virginian. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I know it was the Virginian. Well, I know you both were on Gunsmoke. Yeah. I mean, you directed. I know, but, but you were an actor. Well, you my gunsmokes were memorable. Oh, yes, oh that's yeah, right. They were. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you guys at Gunsmoke, and then you clicked, right? Yeah. But, but here's the thing: you go back to. You know, kind of that time of the actor studio, and you know, you think about James Dean, another classic star. You directed him in the James Dean, not him, but you directed the James Dean story. You you were the responsible, really, for launching James Franco's career as James Dean. Uh, but you knew the man. Tell us a little bit about James Dean. James Dean was a was a most remarkable young man. I mean, I used to go up. We used to be. Uh, vying for the same parts in, in television in those days. We would go up and read for various parts. Most of the time he would get them. It, he, was, <laughs> he, was, he was a very a wonderful actor. I remember walking down Madison Avenue one day with him and uh, he was talking about bullfighting and uh, which was, he was very interested in bullfighting. And suddenly he took off his jacket. I don't know if you remember Madison Avenue when they would, buses would race down Madison Avenue and he jumped out into the street and used his jacket as a, a cape and the bus wow. barely touched his chest I and mean, I leapt back like any sensible Jewish kid 15 <laughs> feet, stayed away from it and he uh, I, I, I knew at that moment that he was doomed well because he, he's a daredevil, total it was, daredevil it, was, it, was, it wasn't fun it was pathetic. It was something so dangerous that he did. I mean, the bus practically touched his shirt. Yeah. And he, he laughed, you know. And laughed it off. Yeah. And I, I felt at that moment that he was a doomed fellow. And, that he would, and he didn't last another but year. How, but wonderful for you to be able to, to continue the legacy. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He didn't <laughs> last another year. <laughs> when he did that with you? Yeah. Well, look at you guys are still, you know, you lasted a lot of many years. So, Ed. uh, He's Jewish. So, Ed. Who, who, me? Yeah. How do you think Hollywood has changed? You know, we talked about this before, but, you know, it has changed a lot. What do you like about it now, and what do you just, gosh, you wish it was back where it used to be? Well, I I don't like about it now. I loved it when it was controlled. I came here in 61, which is late to really discover the old Hollywood, but the studio system was still in effect. And there was, there was, uh, as they said at Auschwitz, alles in Ordnung, everything oh. in order. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and Hollywood was in order then. The, the moguls had sufficient taste. They'd make occasionally good movies. Uh, they knew how to control their stars, more or less. And uh, it was a pecking order that you thought you could work your way up, and you did in Hollywood. And Formosa was one of the way stops. So, so, so tell me, what kind of, when did you, uh, when would you, like, take a little pit stop over here? After working? 
Yeah, I did, the first picture I ever did as an actor was a picture called Crime in the Streets with John Cassavetes and Sal Mineo and myself. And we used to come to, it was right across the street from <laughs> Golden, Golden Studios. And, uh, you know, it, may, it makes me think about Jimmy, Jimmy walking down Madison Avenue with him and him daring the bus to hit him as if, and my recognition that, he was doomed, and um, he was dead within a year. Yeah, and yeah. It was not a surprise to me because he was so reckless. Exactly. And so fabulous, such an entertaining guy. Everybody loved him. Women, men. He was. Uh, I once asked him if he was gay, and he said, "Why should I go through life with one hand tied behind my back?" Well, there you go. You know, to to you know, <laughs> both sides of the fence. There that, you go. That's you know, what he said. and here we are, and uh, we're celebrating classic Hollywood. And James Dean is certainly Ed. You also know about John Wayne. You've got a great John Wayne story. You both do. Uh, you you directed him in the Cowboys, and you have a great story too, Ed. Tell us a little bit about your your dealings with the yeah, Duke. Tell me about Duke. I hated him. You hated him? <laughs> I threw a start into you, didn't I? Yeah, you sure did. Yeah. You like to do that. You've been doing that all morning, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, you've been having fun. I want to attract your attention. Uh, I know. There you go, you know. Uh, 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 what are you doing here? <laughs> I just want to keep you, you company. You, 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 you're between me and her, you know that? Oh, I, and I resent it. You do? Yeah. Don't feel too bad. No. You'll leave soon. <laughs> no. Why don't you go follow James Dean? Uh, the uh, the um, uh, what did I, what did I make with it? Oh yeah, John, El Dorado. Yeah. Oh El Dorado. Yeah, okay. we made it in old Tucson, and I was the uh, wealthy cattle baron who, who hired John Wayne to kill Robert Mitchum, the drunken sheriff. Oh wow! But it goes on and on and on and on. Jimmy Conn's big picture. Oh yeah, yeah it started yeah. him, didn't it? Huh? It started him, didn't it? Yeah. And um, it's what he did uh, after The Godfather, right? No, no. <laughs> way before. Before The Godfather? Oh, God, yes. That, that far sure, back. sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, He's old. I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? Well, I thought you had a, a kind of, a, you liked him, obviously. Mark, you directed him in The Cowboys. Well, I liked him. He was a son of a bitch, but I liked him. You liked him? Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, how was he a son of a bitch? Well, <laughs> I was in the first scene in uh, in. Um, Tell Colorado. us the real juice. And um, uh, Hawks, Howard Hawks, the director, called uh, uh, Duke and me over and wanted to go over that first scene. And I made a couple of suggestions, which Hawks bought, and and uh, that made me feel very good and. Who are you talking to? Oh, they're coming by. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm glad you made it. Uh, I know, like, uh, <laughs> I'm talking to you. Yeah, I can see that. So then, uh, all my attention is on you, Ed. I oh, am. Yeah. Not, you know, Where am I go. in the story? Oh yes. Well, what you were talking about Hopkins, and the you know you're talking about Hopkins, and oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. See, there we go. Yeah, see. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Multitasking. Yeah. Uh huh. So uh, where were we? Oh yeah. So, uh, Hawk says, uh, well, it, uh, it's going to be a long time before they have the uh, ranch house to shoot at. So you go back to your trailer or whatever you want. And so I started wandering around, and my, I felt I looked like Mary and Sam. Oh, my God. I'm a little Abner <laughs> in, in my outfit. I'm walking around the desert, and uh, 
Wayne is working. This is a long story. Let's skip, skip it. Cut to the end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you liked him, but you thought he was a son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. yeah. But what was the son of a he bitch? He tried to intimidate me, and I, I didn't. You didn't back down. It didn't do I, I would not think that you were a guy or gentleman that could be intimidated. Well, I, there have been times I, I'd be intimidated to work with Mark because I don't like him. <laughs> I can tell after all these years. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are still working together. We are. Yeah. Together. Yeah, so what are you working on now? Well, we're doing a, a, a play, a, a two-character play, and uh, we're going to be doing it in Malibu in what, next week, the week after? We are? Yeah. You're kidding me. I'm telling you the truth. You know anything about that? Oh, we, I, I think you'll probably be doing it alone. No, no, I'm doing it with you. I'm doing it with you. I wouldn't dare do it without you. So tell us a little bit about, uh, let's go back to old go- on Golden Pond, right? That's, what's, uh, that's a, a gem. That's a gem. Mark, Mark, Mark. That's all you think about. That's well, right. I was thinking about you just a moment ago, and we were look, talking about the son of a bitch, John Wayne. take up your time. Oh, no, come here. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. I'll hold your hand during this. All. Okay. okay. So, so Be careful. Just a few. I only you have in thirty seconds or less. Tell us about the on Golden Pond because I have to go back to Ed. Well, yes. well I, I don't want to. I don't want to interfere with Hugh Herbert. On Golden Pond was a great experience. You know, who, how many people get a chance to direct Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda and Jane Fonda and Dabney Coleman? In Couldn't anybody play. big, huh? Yeah. yeah, not no, nobody was, big. Yeah, no, but but experience. tell me a little bit. There was a great story about you in in commanding yourself as a director when you went to go for a rehearsal, and Catherine uh, at that time would have might have taken control. So you're doing a scene at her house, right? The tell tell us that story. That's a good story. So we're we're all sitting around in Catherine Hepburn's house, and uh, it's the first time we've all been together, and we're about to sit down to read the, the material for the first time around a table. And uh, Catherine says, oh, well, let's all sit down at the table. And so she moves and she sits at the head of the table. Oh, my God. <laughs> As and the director. I knew that this was uh, a critical moment. So I went over to her and I said, Miss Hepburn, you're in my chair. Go sit over there where you belong. And she was startled and got up and she moved. Thank and God. It was, a, it was a, the most important moment in yeah. the picture. Yeah. Let me tell you, because it set things correctly, she realized that she had a director to deal with. Yeah, and, I, and I would never have gotten up. I know you would. Yeah. Well, you're a tough you would, guy. Yeah, you, you know, so tell me, is there anybody that does intimidate you? Because you seem like you are a man and an actor that kind of commands you intimidate, really? I don't well, know. Well, well, because it's a, you know, how do you know you're working with a good director? How do you know? When he gives me an idea that I hadn't thought of myself. That's a good one. That's good. Yeah. And uh, I, it, uh, I have one of the finest directors. I can't even remember who it was now. How do you like how fine the director was? You can't remember his name. No, no. Well, when you get uh, old. Uh, where, where, he was a uh, fine I, director. I discovered yeah. uh, with this director. Uh, I came in and I did reading or whatever it was of, of the and uh, it wasn't what he had envisioned in his plan of attack of directing my interpretation but I found that he said uh-huh 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 and then adapted his 
he was able to absorb my interpretation into his scheme of directing so that I was unperturbed and he guided it along and the rest of his interpretations worked with the other actors and it was fine. Wow. And and I find that directors who try to it, it's almost like slap handcuffs on you yeah. so that you'll be forced to do their interpretation. Instead of giving you the freedom and the artistic yeah, the kind of expression. the lowest bastards in the world. Well, they and are. Our tell, us how you, tell us how you really <laughs> feel, Ed. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why don't you tell us <laughs> the well, truth? Ed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tell us the truth. That's, uh, but that's what I like about you, too. Yeah, don't you love that about him? He always the tells the truth. The director is. He probably falls into that category. <laughs> yeah, well, I th- you guys wouldn't be friends all these years. We're not friends. No, 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 you guys don't even know each other, right? So, what would you say? What would you say in terms of uh, advice for somebody that is just starting out in the business? You know, such a tough question. You know, it's such a tough business. It is. It's it's so e- you can be so easily injured and hurt and rejected. You're constantly being turned down for parts. You're constantly reading for things when you're beginning, and somebody else is getting it. So there's a there's always this sense of of disappointment in your life until finally something happens where you get a part, yeah, and you can show the talent that you will hopefully have. But it's a, it's a really a tough racket, and, yeah. I, and I'm very very sympathetic to to actors who I come to see me for roles. Uh, you know, I I understand what it's like, how how terribly difficult it is to get started and uh, I feel very very proud of the fact that I started a lot of actors I you sure have actors. you sure have never yeah. did anything for me oh yeah no you guys also did a film a couple of years ago like four or five years ago was it Good Men Good too? Men yeah. so what was that about brothers we were brothers and uh, I was um, a very very uh, disturbed oh. guy <laughs> and he came and helped me you remember that Brothers. Brothers, yes. We weren't. Oh, oh you're talking. No, that's not good, good men. men. That's not good men. What He's is that? a friend of mine, and I come to see him to get him to come to my party. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that you idiot. <laughs> oh. And I uh, uh, immediately, uh, and he refuses to come to the party because uh, uh, Roberto Benigni is going to be honored there, and he despises Benigni for winning the Oscar on a comedy he made about uh, the Holocaust. Holocaust yeah. Oh, there you go. So I, I um, uh, we, we get in a conversation, I, and I start talking. Some, we somehow drift into the conversation on 9-11, and I present my views on 9-11, and he tries to counter them, and he fails, of course. Oh, oh. And uh, so it becomes a good discussion, airing discussion on 9-11. Yeah. It's about a 12-minute film. 12-minute film. Okay. So so tell me this. What's your favorite role that you either have played or want to play? I never... I always felt I was a weird actor. There was never a role I wanted to do. I had, didn't have my Macbeth. I didn't have my... Yeah. Lear, Lear. You should play Lear. Yeah, yeah. Yes. My favorite Shakespearean role was Henry IV, the king. Did you? I didn't even know you did that one. Did you really? I did. I didn't, In oh, Chicago. Wow. So, so it's a great role. Is there any role that you haven't played yet that you would like? No. 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 no so you. See, so you're kind of like having just fun in life. I mean. This is no, I didn't know. Yeah, you know, I, I was doing a, a, a collage 
on NBC of uh, great scenes from the great American buddies. I was doing the scene where uh, where uh, Willie Loman gets fired by the boss's son. Yeah, silly. And uh, uh, who the hell was it? Who was playing the scene? Short-term memories. Out. And uh, I told him from the beginning that uh, that uh, I didn't I didn't want to do Willie. Uh, he said you should do it. I said I don't want to do it. Why? Why not? Uh, and I said because I don't want to go home every night with that Soros. Yeah, it's a very tough. Yeah, it's a and, tough and uh, so then Arthur Miller shows up Arthur while Miller. we're rehearsing, yeah, and he says he didn't want to do it. Oh, and, no. And I thought, you know, you son of a bitch. And, and, and I thought, <laughs> you goddamn. Now, and did you then, not like Arthur? Oh, I did. I you loved, did. You loved, loved okay. I loved uh, seeing uh, Death of His Health. But, but uh, I said, so I tried to say I didn't want to go home with that every night. Yeah. And Miller very... Very nicely said, no, no, I understand. When we first started with Death of a Salesman, uh, Lee J. Cobb tried to get out of his contract as soon as um, we, we landed. And uh, uh, we eventually, uh, he had his psychiatrist to defend why he needed to go out. We hired our psychiatrist to, to counteract that. Finally, we let him out after four months Whoa. on Broadway. I think it was on Broadway. Broadway. Yeah, was, <laughs> you know, it was it was amazing how how I'm not afraid that it doesn't make any difference. I'm, I, <laughs> I, I I saw Thomas Mitchell in Chicago yeah. uh, do uh, Willie, and he had a heart attack uh, the, the day after I saw him. Oh, so so painful uh, part. Okay. So painful. so uh, uh, Miller Miller said, as a matter of fact, most. Of the Woolies, never played it for more than four months, and I think the only one who probably lasted was Thomas Gomez. I'm not. Oh, uh, really? Wow! Yeah. Wow! So now you can talk. So, well, question you. I have for you: You yes. were in the actor's studio, yeah. and you uh, were there during the time of Marilyn Monroe as well. So you, Ooh, Marilyn Monroe, Monroe. she oh, was yeah. at the actor. I he was at the actor's studio during the time that Marilyn, and not very many people can say that. Uh, so, who else besides Marilyn was there during that time? Oh my God. Eli Wallach. There was so many major actors who were in the actor studio. I still, I'm still a, a moderator at the actor studio. We meet every every Monday night, the, the playwrights unit, and every Friday is the acting unit. And I still moderate the, those sessions and uh, stay involved. It, it keeps your your sensitivities alive to stay involved. So one of the things I remember you telling me about her at the time is. She was quite shy, and she would stay in the kind of the back of the room and just kind of yeah, soak she things would, she up. She wore babushkas and hid as if as if she could, for any moment. Not, everybody was aware. My God, it's Marilyn Monroe. She's sitting right here, right next to me. I can touch her. And uh, this miracle person that she was. Are you busy? <laughs> are you busy? Are you, are you saying hello? I'm to lining me? up tonight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, she was, and she wanted. She quit Hollywood, you know, and came to New York yeah. and to work with Lee Strasberg and, yeah. and Paula Strasberg and try to become the actress that she felt she deserved to be. Exactly. And she did. She changed her life. She made a very, very uh, major contribution after that because they they began to cast her in roles that required acting as opposed to beauty. Yes, yes, and and if she would have lived longer, there might have been you know uh, more Tragic. of that, right? Tragic you know, with death. the the misfits Tragic and death. stuff too. So one last question I have for both of you: We're looking yeah. back to you know 1962 and that kind of gold, even golden, even further back, right? But how was it back? What was it like back then? 
it was more of a, it was more friendly. Didn't you find it that way? That oh. we, we we seemed to be all on the same team. Everybody was trying very hard. But nowadays, it's there's a there's a sense it's of chaotic. Distance. Yes, it's chaotic exactly, and it's uh, there's very little compassion for the struggles of the actor. The actor has a very difficult role to play to get get a job to get recognized it's so hard there's so much rejection involved i don't know how it's symptomatic of the country yeah the yeah. country's in the same way uh-huh. there's a little sympathy so the system- unionism is at its lowest ebb in its history uh there is no sense of brotherhood uh right now we've become engaged with either the kardashians and caitlin or or cop shooting uh, blacks in the back uh, uh, we're all consternated. Mm-hmm. There, there's very little hope. With the with the depression, with World War Two, there was always hope. There was yeah. unity. Yeah. But that that sense of oneness in America is gone. Yeah, it's nice. It's that's why I think it's important for us to still hold out hope. Well, he does. He, yeah. He, he's politically involved, and, very, and I admire that in him. Many things I don't admire about him, but this I admire. <laughs> well, and the thing is to stand up Ooh. and to not lose our hope. So if we were to say a phrase or maybe one word in terms of the golden age of Hollywood, how would you describe it in, in either one word, a phrase, or a sentence? Jesus, what a, what a, what a challenge. <laughs> to sum up Hollywood in one phrase? My God, it's impossible. Hollywood is, 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 is such a spectacular place. There's great opportunities for actors, such, such a difficult role to, to get going, to begin, and finally break through. It's really tough. I know. And we, I admire the actors who try. We, uh, we bankrupt this nation in supplying the military-industrial complex with which we rule the world militarily, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And... And what people fail to realize is that with the golden age of Hollywood, that was our greatest weapon in the world. It sold the world on what it was to be American, on what the latest American thing was. And as long as that propaganda machine worked well, it sold America far better than the military-industrial complex could ever sell it. With the destruction of Hollywood, the chaos of Hollywood, and the greater and greater growth of the military-industrial complex, I got pretty political, didn't I? Yes, yeah. I, well, I knew you uh, would. Getting very deep here, Ed. Very, yeah. yes. Well, I pass yes. up an opportunity. Uh, we uh, uh, we keep finding the ways to lose, and if you could make Hollywood what it once was—that great propaganda machine, which which. Would make people happy. Well, and the brotherhood of connecting and being united instead of being fragmented. And I yeah. think the fragmentation, as you said, is throughout the whole society, not just in Hollywood, but Hollywood is kind of a microcosm of, you know, art imitating life and life imitating art. So I just want to say thank you so much, the two of you, oh, for, for you coming so in today and spending a little time with us. Woohoo! Mark Roydell and Ed Asner. Thank you, my little Very sweetheart. Good. My sweethearts, yes. Yeah, All right. Thank you. You look good with those earphones. I'd wear them all Enjoy, the time. enjoy, yeah. enjoy. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio, and we'll be back with Kathleen Hughes right after this.
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Mad Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Good Night Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. She looked for love as anyone does who wants something simple out of life and I believe she did she didn't particularly care for money she didn't particularly want to collect things and I think she wanted to be married and have children some people could talk their way into her and get a lot of things from her just by giving them a sad story and a lot of them did when we first started she gave one a car for a while her own car 41 Pontiac I remember it I mean that was back in the early days you know and uh, Marilyn only was a stock kid she didn't make that any money like that I'd say, well, Marilyn, why do you have to do this this way? Because it costs a great deal of money. She said, don't worry, it's tax deductible. Everything was tax deductible, she thought. Had no idea about money, none. There was a sort of a childishness about her that you, you felt that she should be protected to, from, from anything that could be disturbing to her. In California, there's a law that a child who has been abandoned before the age of 16 has no responsibility to their parents. But Marilyn never shirked the responsibility. When she was making $250 a week, she was paying for her mother's care. All right, everybody, welcome back to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. It's getting a little uh, louder, and uh, the good news is that you can obviously hear us, and I've got a wonderful guest with me today. She's going to be speaking at the Marilyn Memorial tomorrow, actress Kathleen Hughes, who spent a lot of time in the golden age of Hollywood. So happy to have you with us today. Well, I'm very happy to be here. I'm happy I was invited. Oh uh, well, not only that, but you're also you also ha- have a, a you know one of the the few and uh, well there was a lot, but there was the the celebrity books of the guest books that you signed yourself at the Formosa. So is this a place you used to actually come back in the day? Yes, uh, I was studying at the Melrose Theater, and a bunch of us would come over here for lunch. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Often. Yes. We loved it here. Yeah. So it's it probably brings back a little bit of memory. Well, yes, it does. Now, did you also, you were married to the fame uh, producer, screenwriter, Stanley Rubin, River of No Return, amongst other things, obviously. Uh, did you guys ever come here, too? 
Yeah, I think we came here came, a couple of times. We came up here a couple of times too. So, so tell me a little bit because you you have a roster of uh, you were in the studio system, but I mean you also were on Perry Mason and you know a lot of television shows and stuff as well. Did you uh, you came out here with the you know the the goal to to be a Hollywood starlet? Well, I was born in the Hollywood Hospital. Oh, well, so, you, were, you didn't come out here. You were here. No, I was here. So it was very easy. So did you easy. have the acting bug from the very beginning? Yeah, pretty much. I, I used to love the Shirley Temple pictures. Oh, my God. I know. I love Shirley Temple. You know, one of the things I was telling you when you walked in, I have this beautiful picture of you and Stanley, and you're in this glamorous gown. And what a gorgeous... You're still a gorgeous woman. What a gorgeous woman you are. And that, that was just... That represented classic Hollywood. So tell us what it was like back in the day. Well, it was wonderful because... In those days, stars were stars, and they all had faces. Today, I wouldn't recognize most of the people that are working today if I bumped into them on the street. But I worked with all of the great stars. And and tell us, because you have a great story about Marilyn, tell us a fun story that you have about her and how, I, you know, it's, it's the one about, uh, you know, basically you got the man, so to speak. You know that line? Marilyn, do you remember that one? You, It's a great story, and, and you probably say it better than I did, but I'll, I'll paraphrase and see if you can remember. Uh, you and Marilyn were up for a part, and she knew how to sing and dance, and I think you did not have the singing and dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. All right. Uh, yeah, they, you... All right. I was under contract at 20th Century Fox right after Fox dropped Marilyn. Marilyn had been under contract for six months and then they dropped her. And then I was signed and they called me from casting and they said, do you know how to dance? Uh huh. And I said, I don't know. I never tried. <laughs> and they said, well... Um, we need a dancer. <laughs> yeah. They, they said, we want four dancing girls for this picture called A Ticket to Tomahawk with Dan Daly and <laughs> whoever that other person yeah. was. <laughs> so they said, we'll, we'll send you over to stage seven and dance director will see whether you can dance. Well, this poor man worked with me from 9 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock at night, trying to teach me a very simple time step. But you weren't... I couldn't, couldn't do it. get it. <laughs> and at 6 o'clock, he said, forget it. And who did they get? Marilyn, who had just been under contract and had just been dropped. But they knew that she could dance. Oh, my gosh. So they brought her back. And I love that famous line. Do you remember the famous line? I'm going to all say it for you. You said it to me, and and you say it better. I'm sure you do. But you said, hey, you know, at the end of the day, Marilyn might have gotten the part, but I got the man. Remember? And that was about Stanley, you know? So that was such a great one. Because, you know, he was the director for River of No Return. And what did he say about her, you know, in terms of working with her? 
he got along with her very, very well. But he, he got along with most yeah, I was going to say, he seemed like a very personable, just warm human being, you know? Yeah, well, he really liked her. And when he made River of No Return, I hadn't met him yet. And on our very first date, he, he had been asking me out for months, <laughs> and for months I'd been turning him down. Oh, I don't want to go out with that producer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So... Um, and then, oh, then you, you all of a sudden, he oh, kept asking you. Yeah. So then one day he said, how would you like to go to dinner? And then we'll go over to 20th Century Fox, and I'm running an answer print of River of No Return. Well, that sounded really worthwhile. <laughs> so I said, yeah, sure. So there you go. That was, that was the start of it. And, and you were married in 1954, and was it 1954? No. no. Yeah, met of 54, course. 54, yeah? That's right, When yes. you think about it, all those years, that's like a whole lifetime that you guys were together. And four oh. children, that is just, and yeah. that's rare in Hollywood. I know, you know? I and know. So, you know, so if you were to sum up, like, classic Hollywood, the golden age of Hollywood, in a sentence into... What would you say about it? What would you say? What, about the golden yeah. age? Yeah, what would you say? It was wonderful. I think I was born at the right time because I would have hated to miss it. I you know? know, and it's so it's so fun to, to spend time with you because I, as much as I want to kind of think about that golden age... I will never, I, I didn't grow up in that time. So I have to reminisce through through the stories of people like yourself. Yeah, so. and you can't imagine it. No. When no. I think that I was there. You were there and you're the heart of it and all the people that you interacted with and the, the stories that you have, Kathleen. So I just want to thank you so much for stopping by and spending some time with us today and giving us a little story or two. And we can, uh, for those Maryland fans that are going to be here in Los Angeles, she'll be uh, with us tomorrow at the Maryland Memorial Service too. So yes. thank you so much for coming out today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. All it's right. been a pleasure. Okay, we'll see you again soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky, and we will be back right after this. the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Mad Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I am so excited to have my next guest because in some ways I wouldn't be here without him, really. Um, There's so many times I've called you over the years and said, Mr. (laughs) Schreiner, what in the world's going on here? You know, from the book to the movie to the real life investigation and now the radio show and uh, your contribution not only to the show but to Marilyn herself. Um, wherever she is in this universe, I'm sure she is smiling from <laughs> ear to ear with all the efforts that you have done over the 30, was it 30 plus years now? 33 this year. 33 years. And for those of you who are just tuning in, um, my next guest is Greg Schreiner, who is the president of Maryland Remembered. And uh, you can go to MarylandRemembered.org. And and I know a lot of people do know this, the Maryland fans, but how did you all of a sudden, you know, back back in the day decide, you know what, I'm going to start this fan club? Well, it actually happened in 1981. I had come, moved to Los Angeles to go to school at UCLA, and I had gone to the cemetery to pay my respects to her on August the 5th. And there were several of the people gathered around, and, and I thought, we should be doing something, because nothing had been done for Marilyn since her death, as far as a memorial service. So we organized one for 1982. We met, we had a little service, uh, we had a few guests, and we loved it. And we decided, well, maybe we should meet more often. And out of that came Marilyn Remembered. Wow. And then, you know, and it's, it's grown over the years, obviously. You know, that was a small group of people, and Absolutely. now look at it, you know. Well, we had the advantage today, of course, of the Internet, which yes. has made a big difference. <laughs> we now have several thousand members. Back then, it was word of mouth mainly, and it's amazing how fast it spread even by word of mouth. Uh, we went from a very small group in, in one year by the next year to almost 100 people. So there was obviously a lot of people with a need to meet and talk about Maryland, and so I'm glad I met that need. Oh, yeah. So what do you want us to know about Maryland that we might not know? Well, I think Maryland is is so multifaceted. There's never a way to know everything about her, and that's maybe why she's so endlessly fascinating. No matter how many books you read, how many articles you look at, how many movies you see of hers, there's always another facet you see of her, and 
for me, the, the main thing that comes through is her amazing goodness, her, her beauty in, inwardly, and I think a, this certain amazing quality she has on the screen where she's luminescent. And no one's ever captured all of that uh, except for her, in my, in my opinion. Well, and I think that's why it's going to be so difficult <clears throat> also when we do the movie or any movie that anybody does and the actress has to play Marilyn Monroe. It, you might have the best acting chops but don't have yeah. that essence. You might have the essence and not the acting chops. So it's, it's you know, that's a tough Miney big shoes to step into, yes. <laughs> so, so this year, 53 years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be celebrating and honoring her and her memory, right? Right. Uh, what do you want us to get out of this year that may be different from the other years, especially as time moves on? Well, I, our goal has always been, and Marilyn remembered, to, to celebrate her life. And so at the memorial service, it's not a downer. <laughs> we try to keep it very up and, and positive and, and reflect on all the wonderful things Marilyn did. As, as every year, we have guest speakers uh, that knew her, which for me is, is such a thrill. And it's getting harder and harder, obviously, to, yes. to get people that knew her. But we still have guest speakers that were in her life when she was alive. And it's very exciting to hear them share stories. Uh, and, and they're always wonderful stories about her. Well, that's also so why I also wanted to do this with some of the people from the golden age of Hollywood because, you know, it's so difficult to transport ourselves back into that mm-hmm. time. We can, we can imagine it, but we were never quite there, you know. So Unfortunately, I was a little boy when she died, so I, I went, and I wasn't out here, so I don't know what that felt like. But I can, through all the people that I've met over the years, it, I think I, I understand a little more of that incredible excitement that was happening during that golden age. And you have a wonderful collection of a lot of her memorabilia and mm-hmm. her gowns. I mean, you've really kept her her legacy alive, and we we wouldn't be here without you. So. Well, I, I have been very lucky uh, yeah. to have one of the, the larger collections on Marilyn. And excitingly, this summer, uh, I have it all on display at the Hollywood Museum in oh, Hollywood. Oh, wow. So, so people can go out mm-hmm. and, okay, that's wonderful to, to know. So they can go to the Hollywood Museum. And is there anything else you would like us to know about Marilyn as we honor her today? Well, uh, golly, there's uh, so many things you could say about her. For me, it's been a revelation to to really understand the inner Marilyn because I think there was so much conflict in her life uh, and yet she rose above it all uh, from this difficult childhood to uh, a difficult getting started in Hollywood uh, she struggled really struggled at the beginning of her career and somehow she and was a lot able- of people don't know that they no, think she just all of a no. sudden slept her way to the top or just all of a sudden miraculously no, no, just no. got there right her early career is full of a lot of very tiny parts but in every part she's shown so <laughs> brightly that they couldn't ignore her. And yes. it, they, she eventually kept getting bigger and bigger parts, and some major directors recognized her talent and put her in some really fine pictures like Asphalt Jungle and All About Eve, which really then gave her that impetus. I loved to her in her All career. About Eve. Oh, I mean, it's fabulous. just a smaller yeah. part, but man, she just mm-hmm. popped off the screen. So, well, I want to thank you so much for being a part of the, the Goodnight Maryland radio series and giving us little tidbits <laughs> on a weekly sure. basis and just spending time with us. And uh, thank you so much for all your support as we go forward and look at the life and the investigation and uh, obviously the the entertainment feature film about uh, Marilyn and uh, Lou Morgan and uh, Cherie who is a, a totally fictional mm-hmm. character about Marilyn Monroe uh, not not Marilyn Monroe but a, 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 a fictional character uh, that we'll get into in just a little bit about what's going on with the movie and the feature film so 
Thank well, you so thank much. Thank you for having me. I hope I'll maybe see you tomorrow at yes, 11 o'clock you will. for the circus. I will be there. So thank you so much, Greg, for stopping by. I appreciate My pleasure. it. All right. Thank, thank you. you. You're listening to Good, My- Good Night Maryland Radio. And we are going to continue the conversation with the Maryland Moments. And uh, this is one of the fans here at the famous Formosa Cafe. And uh, where is a wonderful Maryland Moment? Yes, we need a little Maryland Moment here. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, okay. All right. Great. Um, yeah, just want to, if you could give us like in a few minutes of like 30 seconds or less, what would you say about Maryland? What's your favorite Maryland moment? Well, I think it's when she entertained the troops in Korea. She took time off from her honeymoon, and uh, she got to see for the first time the, the appeal of how many people really adored her, just uh, uh, how, how much joy she brought to so many people. She, she performed, I think, eight shows, ended up getting pneumonia, and uh, uh, it, was, it was good because Marilyn could see for herself how powerful uh, her presence was. And All right. It, it really did. It did well, a lot. thank you for stopping by too. And what is your name? My name is Mark Hussman. Oh, Mark Hussman. Thank you so much for for coming by today well, and spending a little for time with us. Show. It's All my right. favorite radio show. Nina, you're doing a great job. Oh, Greg, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for stopping by. All right, you're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio, and we have one more wonderful Maryland moment before we get into uh, our next guest. Hi, how are you? You Hello. are a little Marylandish here. I love it. Yes. So what is your name? My name is Melissa Beathan. Oh, Melissa, yes. Hi, how Hi. are you? It's so nice to see you. So what is your favorite Maryland moment? My favorite Marilyn Monroe moment is in uh, June 26, 1953, when she got her handprints with Jane Russell at Grauman's Chinese Theater. I think for Marilyn, that was a really big moment because as a child, she felt like she could dream. And when she was doing that, I think it was surreal for her. Ah, yeah, so that's, that's a, my favorite Marilyn moment. That's a beautiful moment. And thank you so much. And you're, you're you know, uh, a beautiful uh, Marilyn-looking, uh, beautiful actress right now. Thank so you. thank you so much for thank stopping you. by. All right. Let's, uh, let's get the, the show going here. We'll do some more Marilyn moments. I've got uh, actor Kevin Dobson, who is coming up next with us. And uh, this is wonderful. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing well. I am doing well. You are a person, actor. I, when I was looking over your bio. Thanks for the reference. I, I, <laughs> no, seriously, Kevin Dobson has done 26 TV movies. I, I, I was sitting there looking over this because I remember you from Knott's Landing. Yes, thank yes, you. Yes, but you, that wasn't just the, you, you were on Kojak as well, right? Yes, indeed. And a very major role back in, back in the day of Kojak. Well, that was my opportunity to... Uh, the future, uh-huh. meaning that uh, you know, it was provided a lot of more work for me. That was the introduction for me into this great business. Although I banged around New York City for like seven years, you know. And uh, now, did you start in New York? Yes, I did. Oh I was wow! Studying with Sandy Meisner, waiting, waiting tables, tennis balls, <laughs> driving cabs, and finally, I couldn't take it anymore, and I couldn't get a job anywhere. You know, working as an actor. So I came out to Hollywood to try it. And uh, the first job I had out here was working for the Santa Fe Railroad. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which <laughs> That's was, quite a different uh, take uh, on being an actor. Yeah, well, actor. I had the railroad experience. I've got about five years on railroads oh, wow. before all this industry happened. 
But when I came out here, I worked for the Santa Fe Railroad, and I ran engines all over L.A. I was an apprentice engineer, which is called a fireman, but you start as a hustler. And uh-huh. that's where you get prepared the engines for the long, long rides that they yes. take. And uh, so I did that for two and a half years. And when I left that uh, in 1973, I was understudying John Voight in Streetcar Named Desire. Oh, wow. And I thought that was going to be the break. I'd get on, you know. But unfortunately, he was very healthy, and I never got on. <laughs> Although you know, it was soon after with, that, it was soon after that that I got Kojak. Now let me ask you something. You know, let's take, go back to that time. You know, here you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, this might be my big break," and it wasn't. How did you have the will or the desire to keep going when you have those disappointments in between? Well, I learned a, a nice lesson, and it came at the perfect time. And it was from an actor by the name of Tom Yule, who starred in The Seven Year Itch with Marilyn Monroe. Wow! And the first play I ever did was a play called The Impossible Years, and it was starring Tom Mule. We took it on a bus and truck tour, which was one-night stands all over, the, all over the country. We did 300 cities. It was incredible. So anyway, he was just giving a, a talk during the summer stock. I had left the Long Island Railroad. I took a leave of absence <laughs> because of the novelty of this acting thing, you know? Here well, I am yeah. on stage. I had no idea. I just Rail got out of the acting, army and you know? all. Yeah. So I'm doing this play, and uh, it was on a Saturday in Cohasset, Massachusetts, that he was giving a talk to a group of high school drama students at 11.30 in the morning, and I attended. Everything he said that day about belief in yourself, confidence, determination, and the future, goal-oriented, commitment to a goal is not a sometimes thing. Everything he said at that time meant something to me. It was like somebody just twisted it in my stomach, and I said, this is what I want to do. Wow. It was so independent, you know, and I would, well, it was novel at the time I was working, you know, and then when that show ended, I worked as a stagehand in San Antonio, Texas, and <laughs> went back to New York and started studying with Sandy Meiser, and I worked with him for like three years and driving cabs and tending bar and all that stuff, but I never gave up the goal, work within the goal, identify the goal and work within it, so, and so I never gave up the dream. So you never gave up the dream. So you, you, you have the disappointment, then you get Kojak. Kojak at that time was the show. I mean, everybody watched Kojak, you know, with the lollipop and all that it was stuff. Huge. So, yeah. Well, the, so the lollipop thing feel? happened in the, in the fifth show. We were in the office. I'm, I'm playing Crocker. I'm with uh, Demosthenes, well, George Savalas, who played Stavros. And we're doing a scene with Telly, and uh, he's behind his desk. He says, I need somebody. Somebody handed him an apple, and a friend of mine was on the set, and he had a Tootsie Pop hanging out of his pocket. And I walked over and took it, and I said, Telly, here you go. And that was the start of it. That was the the start of it. Who knew? You know, the the famous lollipop line. The lollipop cop. So, the lollipop cop. So, what is your favorite part about being an actor? Commitment. 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 Uh, I find it very relaxing and uh, comfortable when I work. It's the anxiety that you got to deal with <laughs> when you're not working. You know, it's such a din of activity when you're working on a set. Yeah. You know, and that's where I'm the most comfortable. And then I get a chance to do my work. And then, again, you know, the, the noise and everything that's going on and getting everything ready for that shot, it's like a crazy time, you know. And then it goes silent, and that's when I do my work. Do your work. So, so... Let's, let's skip up to Knott's Landing because that's how I know you. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was so excited to have you here today, too. Thank you. So, so So tell us about Knott's Landing because that was like over-the-top series at the time. I mean, that was the series. Knott's, everybody was talking about Knott's Landing. Well, I joined it in the fourth year. It yeah. ran for 14 seasons, and I was on it for 10. Uh, the first three Talk years. Talk about consistency. That's a yeah, good one. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. That's a consistent you know, it was a nice job. Offer. Don Murray was married to Karen 
at the time, Michelle Lee. Yeah. And he wanted to do other things. And I had only seen the show once. And, it would, and the show that I saw was when they drove him off the cliff. <laughs> and and that was the, I said, well, there's an opening. You know? Oh my gosh! And and things happened, and I got a call to if I'd be interested in doing the show, and I thought, hmm, what am I doing here? This is the fourth season. Am I jumping on a sinking ship here? But if I had something to do with it, and it hangs on, you know, and the numbers move a little bit, you know, it looked like I had something to do with it. A little, and little it worked. Deal. And then we got the vein, and we had a nice thing going on, and uh, you know, it ran for quite a while. So you had spent some time here at the Formosa yourself. Anytime I could at that time, you know, times <laughs> so have changed. But sto- well, during the, the Kojak days, you know, yeah. we, we shot five years of Kojak and four of which were here in L.A. Yeah. We'd go to New York each season and do three weeks in New York yeah. and then come back and shoot all over the place. And whenever we were on this side of the hill, we shot at Universal. Whenever we were on this side of the hill, me, Telly, George and whoever else would come in here and hang out and have some stuff at the bar. And, so were you uh, like one on. of the, Were you one of those people you know, that would just like you know uh, like hang out in the bar, like get there at like four and then leave at twelve? Twelve? No, something? it was always after eight o'clock eight at o'clock. night. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and uh, the, not that the party started, but you, you know, you <laughs> hang out with started, the guys. Yeah, you party know? started when you guys came. Well, in a way, sometimes. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about some of the the the, the differences now compared to Formosa back in the day. And what I say that is because we were in the digital age. So, you know, part of it is you come into the Formosa and somebody might have their, their you know, iPhone and they're Isn't recording something versus... Everybody takes a picture and they look at it right away and you capture the moment. You want to see that moment that you just passed. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't get that. But digitally, you know, I don't find any difference in working on a set and doing preparing a scene. I don't find that they've saved any time. I think the production ends up being a little more clearer. But when you talk to the crew and everybody, they say, you know, there's not much difference. Time-wise, I don't see where they save that much time. We're talking about seconds, you know, other than the clarity of it. Nothing in front of the camera has changed. So what are you working on now? Give us a little bit of an insight on what you're working on well, right now. Well, I'm a member of the Group Repertory Theater, which is okay. in North Hollywood, one okay. block east of Vineland on Burbank. Right now we're doing a play called Lombardi, about oh, wow. the story of Vince Lombardi wow. that Dan Loria did on Broadway. Bert Emmett is doing Lombardi here at the, at the Group Repertory Theater, and that'll run through... Uh, the end of August. Oh, wow. Uh, then comes in, you just had them here, Ed Asner and Mark Rydell doing <laughs> Oxymorons. We're going to do that at the Group Re- oh, Repertory Theater. How fun. But the new season starts with, which I'm producing, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Wow. And we're in the midst of casting and getting our director together. And we're going to start that uh, beginning of October. Speaking of the original, did you ever get a chance to meet uh, Brando himself? Once. Once. Up top, but uh, the Beverly, not the Beverly Center, up on uh, Beverly Glen. Yeah. That, that, uh, that mall up there that's little Oh, place. the little mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. So we were in a, uh, a card store, and we noticed one another, and we just paused and looked at one another, and then we chatted for a little bit, and that was nice. It was nice. He appreciated what I did, which was a thrill to me. Oh, I bet, yeah. And I certainly appreciated what he did. You know? And if you were to look at classic Hollywood compared to today, right, what would you say? What are some of the big differences that you like about it and that you don't like about it? Soul. I think uh, uh, foundation for young actors in particular. You know, you have experienced writers writing about life. 
maybe they've had those experiences and then you give them to young actors and there's no foundation behind that. Yeah. I like the study that goes into it. And, it, and as we talked about, like working with Sandy Meisner or wherever you're going to find your guru to, to study within. So uh, I think class, little class, little memorials. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's so, not that the business is immoral and I don't like that connotation ever because it is, uh, you know, we tell a lot of good stories. So... If you were to give advice, because I always like this, you know, you've been, you know, obviously you have a huge resume. You've been working for a very long time. It's not easy to stay in this town, uh, get in this town, let alone stay in this town, right? So so what advice or inspiration would you give to the young actor just starting out? Well, work at listening. Work at listening. Commitment to a goal is not a sometimes thing. Identify your goal and work within it. It's not always reaching for the goal, reaching for that brass ring. Hey, if you want to act, go to East Podunk and open the garage <laughs> and put on a play. Yeah. You're here to make a living at it. Yeah. And some of us are fortunate to do that. So I like that commitment to a goal is the best advice I can give you, you know. Yeah, being committed. And I think that's a lot of the fragmentation. If you don't have that focus, it's really difficult to be then committed because there's all these distractions, you know. Yeah, so it's not a short-term thing, you yeah, know. Yeah. In for a penny, in for a pound. So I want to thank you for stopping by today. But uh, if I were to say to you, what's your favorite Marilyn Monroe movie? Only that I did a play with Tom Mule, The Impossible yeah. Years. And he would relate some stories that he told about Marilyn. And one in particular was the, the big... The dress scene. You know, they had a yeah. they had a cardboard or whatever it was uh, cut out fifty two feet high yeah. in Times Square, and for some reason they took it down and did something else to it. But the thing about the grading was that he told me the story. I guess he made that public, but she didn't like to wear undergarments, underclothes, uh-huh. and so uh, Billy Wilder had a fan put in that grading, unbeknownst to Tom Mule and Marilyn Monroe. So when they stood there. And Joe DiMaggio. Well, Joe DiMaggio (laughs) was there along with 5,000 other people. They had built stands for that. And when he saw that, he went ape. He he went off and said, you know, get out of this business, you know. And that changed their whole dynamic. Exactly. So Billy Wilder turned that fan on, up went the skirt and... From, the rest here to, is from here to eternity. The rest you know, is history. Yeah. So um, I want to thank you so much for stopping by today. And Thanks. so appreciate it and telling us a little bit of your stories. Is there one fun story you'd like to tell us about any of the actors that you worked with over the years? Well, I, one thing that comes to mind is that I'm doing a scene with Telly Savalas. We're doing Kojak. I never got to drive the car, the Kojak car. <laughs> except this but one. you wanted to. Except, well, this one time <laughs> I'm driving. He's, he's in the passenger seat. And he's got to hang out the window. Well, it's a Monday morning. We're waiting for him to come back from Vegas. We're down in some alley downtown L.A. We, we have it all set up. We've got to chase the bad guys. We've got to shoot out the tire. They bang into a wall, flip the car, and roll into three other cars. Okay, so Telly finally arrives. They put a shirt and tie on him and a jacket. He's still in his shorts. He gets in the car. He says, they, and just like this, he said, okay, let's go, because just time oh is everything. Let's go. He says, what am I doing? He said, hang out the window and shoot the car. Oh so he hangs out the window, but he doesn't have the gun. Oh, my God. So he hangs out and goes bang, bang. Well, the car blew up, hit the wall, and blew into three cars. It took three days to redo it. Well, there you go. I love it. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Kevin, for stopping. Thank you. That was great. Thank you so much. Good night, Marilyn Radio, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Thank you for being here.
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. The thing that she wanted most in the world was to, to be a mother, to have a child of her own. Or she could have right away had some children, any child, a child at least, because she loved children so much. My child, you know, my daughter, and other ch- people's children, uh, she went for them, or uh, puppies, or anything, you know. And she had one of her own to take care of, or a doll of her own, you know, to grow up with. I'm sure it would have helped her mentally. I wasn't a happy type that just go on a one-take actress. Quite the contrary. She was filled with anxiety and and apprehension. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm very excited to have my next guest with me, Ron Masak. And this is very exciting because he, too, has a long resume. I think it's like 25 or 26 films and television credits to your name. I'm just just, old, that's all. No, but you're a working actor. You were on Murder, She Wrote. And uh, the thing is that is so wonderful is that uh, it's good to have you here. <laughs> it's good to be anywhere, isn't it? <laughs> yes. We're, we're, you know, we've got people around us and we're coming and going, but you're going with it. So this is really yeah. good. Yeah. And uh, so exciting. Tell me a little bit about your career and really kind of starting out in this business as well. Well, I was born at a very early age. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Last month. poor neighborhood. Matter of fact, it was so poor, my mother didn't even have me. A neighbor did. Oh, my God. It was, that's so how there you go. I, I, I was the class clown you in were. school. You were. Yeah, I was the class clown, and uh, I was either going to go one or two directions. I was a pretty good athlete because I wanted to play. I wanted to hang out with my brother, who was four years older. So in order to hang around with him, I had to step up. You had to keep so, up, yeah. yeah. Keep up with him. It was either that or show business. And in about 1946, I saw a movie called The Jolts Story. 
Oh my gosh. And that's made up my mind. I mean, and then all of a sudden you decided I'm not going uh, the athlete role well, the way you're going to go the yeah, acting way. I wanted to do both. I yeah. really wanted to do both. But Larry Parks made Al Jolson so very charming and the music just drove me up a wall. And the fact that turn up the lights, I want to see the people. And, and that's what I, I fell in love. I was, I, was the, I was about 10 years old doing Al Jolson in the now, playground. What was one of your big breaks? Uh, out here the, or yeah. there? Out here. Uh, well, Hollywood. You know, did a lot of theater. My, well, Harry Ackerman, who was the producer of uh, Gidget and things like that, uh, came to Chicago, saw me, uh, saw a reel of film. That I had done a lot of commercials. I mean, Time. hundreds of commercials there. And he invited me to come out to California to uh, test for a pilot. And while I was out here, they were doing a movie called Ice Station Zebra. Uh-huh. That was going to feature a lot of men. Matter of fact, it's an all-male movie. And uh, so I was from Chicago. I was on a break. My agents out here said, Ron, we're going to send you over uh, to meet John Sturgis. So when I walked in the room, there must have been 50, 60 guys there. And somebody came out and said, uh, gentlemen, uh, we're going to have to reschedule all your appointments. Mr. Sturgis can't see anybody else today. So they all left. And so I, you didn't. I did not. <laughs> and when the gentleman came back out the door again, he said, maybe you didn't hear me. Uh, Mr. Sturgis can't see anybody. I said, sir, I said, my name is Ron Masak. I'm an actor. I'm from Chicago. And if he sees me and I'm something he might be interested in, I will stay. Otherwise, I'm on a plane tomorrow back to Chicago. And, and he smiled and he looked at me. He said, guy's got, you know. He said, oops. Chicago, huh? Yeah. Stay where you're at. <laughs> he brought Mr. Sturgis out to meet me. And he looked at me and he said, uh, cancel your flight. You're in the film. Wow. Now, we were going to rehearse one week first. So we were in rehearsal. I had already become the company clown. I was the guy in the commissary telling the jokes, doing right. all this stuff. And they kept pointing at me. And I said, oh, geez, I'm doing something wrong. This is movies. This isn't theater. Yeah. And so Tommy Schmidt, God love him. He looked like Steve McQueen. First AD, he said, Ron, he said, go in and turn in your uniform. I said, uh-oh, what did I do wrong? He said, Mr. Sturgis likes you. You're getting a better role. Wow. And I went from standing behind Rock Hudson and saying 40 fathoms <laughs> to, to being the radio operator who falls through the ice and everything else. And, and I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. So tell us what it was like to be around somebody like a Rock, Rock Hudson, some of the old classic You will stars. never hear anybody who ever worked with that man say anything unkind. Wow. That's how good he was. He was one of the guys. Uh, we took over his trailer. There were seven of us that took over his trailer. <laughs> Between shots, he liked to play cards. Okay. So we would sit and play cards because he didn't want to piddle around with all the other stuff. So we're sitting in his trailer, which looked exactly like this. Yeah, like the yeah, foremost, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a little shorter. And I said, now this is what being a movie star is. Because Ernie Borgnine had a thing. Uh, Patrick McGowan had it. I had the same size. But Rock had this huge trailer. So you guys would just all hang out there. Right. So I said to him, I said, this is what being a movie star. He said, let me tell you the story about this trailer. I said, sure. He said, I was under contract at Universal. And we used to do what they called beefcake, which meant all of the movie magazines would come over and do stories. He said, I was always embarrassed to have to ask a lady writer, would you mind stepping out while I change my clothes for the next scene? So I asked my agent if he could find me one of those folding screens. The Oriental yeah, 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 yeah. His agent's name was Henry Wilson. He was very powerful. He went into the Black Tower and said, Rock would like to have a folding screen in his dressing room. So he didn't have to, and he said, 
somebody was in the wrong mood and said, well, what does he want? Something like Gable had at MGM? Oh. And Henry Wilson said yes, and he wants a mirror, bathroom, telephone, a television set, this, that, the other, <laughs> or he's not coming to work tomorrow. So the next day, this trailer was there. He said, now I was really bottom of the rung there. There was an actress named Sandra D. Who yeah, was Sandra D. yeah. And she said, well, why does he get that and I don't get that? Oh, no. So she wound up getting one. <laughs> he said they were doing a movie called Spartacus. Wow. That's and Kirk a, Douglas that's a... walked by and said, what is this? <laughs> I'm a movie star. What is this? <laughs> yes. What is this? He got one. Olivier got one. Peter Ustinov got one. Gene Simmons got one. Deborah Carr got one. Tony Curtis got one. Oh, my gosh. So they all got one. He said, all I wanted was a place to change my pants. <laughs> That's a great That's story. That's a great story. He was wonderful. He had a great sense of humor. My wife is a great cook and great baker. So she would bake him things and send really? it to the crew. You know, fudge, yeah. cake, stuff like that. So we're sitting in the trailer one day and he says, fine, call Kay. call Kay. So I pick up the phone and I call Kay. I said, hey, honey, I'm sitting here with Rock and he really wanted to thank you for, you know, the fudge and everything. He says, <laughs> so he takes the phone. And he starts talking to her like Rock Hudson. Oh, right? my gosh. And the last thing he says. Is that like pillow talk or yes. something? And he you says, know? and Kay, most of all, thank you for just being you. And he hung up. <laughs> and I looked at him and I called him a vulgar name. Uh-huh. And I said, how, how, how am I supposed to go home tonight and be romantic to exactly, my Exactly, exactly. After Rock Hudson. <laughs> and he did that on purpose. Of course, of course. You so know? now we get home that night. He sent her. Four dozen red roses, baby. Oh, that's so sweet. And the card reads, Dear Kay, you know. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great story. That's a kind of great sense of humor. Those are some good ones. So so you would come here at the Formosa too, right? This would be? Yeah, I worked across the street a lot. (laughs) So you were here quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, this is where the guys hung. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the great food. Always great food. But it was the bar talk. Oh, yeah. You were getting the information of what was going on on your set. You know, how's your set going? Uh-huh. Is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? And then you look around and you see the history on the walls. I think at one time they had my picture up here. And if you notice, they're oh, all black and white. Yes, 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 yes. That brought you back to the year. The year, the year, yeah. yeah. The year. So if you were to, to sum up the golden age of Hollywood in a phrase or a sentence, what would you like to say to people that maybe weren't during that era? Learn your craft. Yeah. The studio heads taught everybody everything. When you weren't working on a film, you were learning how to tap dance. If you were a dramatic actor, they'd have a comic come over and work with you on timing. You know, so it wasn't a long, drawn-out thing. Yes, yes. I and Jibber was shot at MGM. Now, my first day, to show you how goofy I was, the, the guard at the gate, his real name was Ken Hollywood. Really? That Ken was the Hollywood guard. at the Ken gate. Ken Hollywood at the gate at MGM. <laughs> so I just drove up and I said, I'm Ron Asek, I'm playing Zabrinsky. He didn't wave me on. I didn't have a drive-on pass. <laughs> I worked on that picture for four and a half months and he finally realized as I'm leaving, Masek, you never had a pass. <laughs> but as I drove through that gate, I swear to you what I'm about to tell you is true. My hair kind of stood up because all of a sudden I said, my God, Tracy, Gable, Catherine Hepburn, Mickey Rooney, boom, 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 and it went on and on and on. And I said, Scare-. interestingly enough, the first scene they shot in Ice Station Zebra was a radio scene with me. Rock Hudson standing there and Ernie Borgnine behind me. The sound me comes up and he said, make sure I hear you, which is why I'm loud now to this day. 
And he said, keep in mind, if your eyebrow goes up, it's going to go up 10 feet in Cinerama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the advice was don't screw up. Don't screw up. And I just cleaned that one up. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The radio and, audience. And so, I, so now I got the first dialogue and I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> terrified. But it was a great experience. Wonderful experience. I want to say thank you so much for stopping by and sharing a few stories with us oh, and stuff I too. I know you. you, you yeah, can, you stay, can you stay a little bit longer and tell us some more uh, as we uh, finish up the rest of the radio show? I'd love to hear. I'm no. sure some of the. No, you can't? Okay, well, I'd, yeah. I'd, maybe we're going to have to have you come back. I'll come back. Okay. You, I would love But I have that. places to go. People to see. Maryland's waiting say, for me. Yes. Mar- well, I hope not anytime soon. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks so, so much. All right. You take good care. Well, Thank look, you so much. Ask for- me what we're doing, though, first. What are you doing? What are, ah, no, toss. Glad okay. you I, asked. Yes, I'm so... <laughs> we, are pitching a, we are pitching a brand new comedy. Really? A situation comedy. Roger Neal, my manager who is here. Uh, oh, yes. Is hey, also one of the producers. Hey. Oh, great. And uh, Josh and Goldstein. And what is it going to be called? Is, uh, it's going to be called Senior Class. Senior. We already have committed R.J. Wagner. Robert oh, Wagner, who no. used to come in here a lot, Tim Conway, Larry Minetti, and this little guy. Okay, so you're definitely going to have to come back and tell us more oh, about yeah. it. This will be fun. You guys are going to have a lot of fun together, too. Yes, then I'll mention Roger's wife, Lynn's name. Really? I won't do that now. Not now? Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for stopping by with us today, okay? Thank you. All right. Thank you. Great. Ron Masek, everybody. What a wonderful story. You're listening oh. to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Oh. We'll be back right after this. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Mad Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Goodnight Maryland Radio. We are switching gears a little bit. We are going to get into Goodnight Maryland Radio, the feature film, the entertainment feature that we uh, wouldn't be here sitting, actually. I would not be sitting here if it wasn't uh, the brainchild of the two of you, Don O'Melveny the writer of the book, and Don O'Melveny and Michael Engel, the writer of the screenplay, as well as Duran Rosenberg, our director, who's obviously contributed to the writing as well. But the two of you wouldn't be sitting here, and we wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for the two of you. So, I what, guess that's true. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about why you decided to do something on Marilyn Monroe. Well, uh, I had recently graduated from the USC Film School, and was looking for a project to write. And I just stumbled upon Marilyn Monroe and began reading all the stuff about um, circumstances behind her death, the mysterious details, nothing was you know, conflicting this and that. I said, there's a, there's a great story here that hasn't been told, that uh, a reimagining of what might have happened, what could have happened. Um, and so... As many people in, in the Maryland world will know, once you start looking into Maryland, <laughs> it's a slippery slope and you never stop. And so yes. that's, that, was the, that was the beginning. It was just a great story to tell that really hadn't been told. Well, and, and Michael? Well, and then the idea of uh, telling the story in a, in a sort of a detective sort of uh, style, you know, in, in sort of the noir style and, and putting that element into it and bringing in fictional characters into a, a real, you know, mixing fiction with fact to help get more, you know, tell a story in a little more, you know, creative way. Well, it is a very creative idea if you really think about it, because you have the last day of her life, and then you have these fictional characters that are interweaved so nicely in between the the last day of Marilyn's life. So it's kind of an interesting uh, kind of uh, take on it. And the good news about it is that we don't have to do that. A lot of people will say, oh, is it another biopic? And it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's not another biopic. If you were to describe it in regards to what movie it would be similar to, what would you describe it as? Well, I would certainly put it in the, in the family of Chinatown because yes. it deals with, it's a blend of fictional characters in part of the history of Los Angeles, the way Chinatown dealt with the water history with, with Mulholland. So right. Greater it, powers, the powers that, uh, you know, pawns, people being manipulated by greater powers that are beyond the control, not even realizing they're being pawns in a, in a larger game. Well, and you know what I love about this, too, is because I, I look at this film as everybody in this film has a dream, and Marilyn is the ultimate dreamer, right? And how wonderful is everybody's dream is being threatened in this film, and you guys do a brilliant job of connecting those dots. So, Well, and it, it, it also, you know, I think part of the story is is how you know, Los Angeles is the is the dream factory. Yes. And everybody, you know, comes to Los Angeles from the, you know, gold rush days. You know, Los Angeles is that is that place over the horizon where they can reinvent themselves. And so there's this thirst and this hunger to sort of, you know, cash your chips and make and you know, to have you know, to reinvent yourself in Los Angeles. But yet, you know, so few of our dreams really do come true. You know, it's it's such a struggle to make it and part of Part of the story is about, you know, how tough the business is and how you try and um, realize your dreams 
But then when you do realize your dreams like Marilyn did, look what happens to, to even somebody like Marilyn. So yeah. it's, a tough, it's a tough city, and, and that's sort of another sort of layer of the film is that it's, um, uh, it's, it's Marilyn's story, but it's also a story of a city, and, and I like to say it's, it's no city for dreaming. Right. There's prices to pay. There's yeah. prices to pay, and dreams uh, come at a cost. And uh, so, anyway, guys, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking a, a few minutes and stopping by, uh, and uh, giving us a little tease about what this movie uh, <laughs> is is going to uh, give the audiences as uh, we continue the the conversation about Goodnight Marilyn. And uh, thanks for stopping by. And we will listen to some of your Marilyn moments. Uh, I'm Nina Bosky. You're listening to Goodnight Marilyn radio and we are going to have a few more uh, Maryland moments and Drew Rosenberg our director is going to be um, up next all right thank you so much all right yes 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 come on everybody just take a few minutes hi what's your name uh my name is dr feeling good oh i love dr feeling good she has always got a wonderful character here and lovely marilyn and always have that wonderful uh humor and wonderful energy so if you can give us just a quick marilyn moment what's your favorite quick marilyn moment well, there's a lot of them because I got a radio show too. So that I need uh, it in one thirty seconds or less. Regret. Okay, <laughs> no, no, two seconds. Um, she says uh, to regret and worry is the silliest things in the world to ever worry about. And it's amazing. I'm a philosopher, and I say to regret nothing is the beginning of all wisdom. Ooh, Amen. I and love I that one. Think about it. That's oh, it. Thank God you. Bless That's you. God bless you. That yeah. was a good one. All right. Thank you so much. And we have another Marilyn moment. Uh, hi, how are you? And what is your name? I actually know your name for people <laughs> who are Christine. Christine. Hi, Christine. <laughs> hi. And you are obviously beautifully dressed up. Our, our audience can't quite see you as well. Uh, but what is your favorite Marilyn moment? Um, I have to say I love Marilyn in um, the outtakes for Something's Gotta Give. I just think she's so beautiful and raw and very just, I don't know, kind of real i just love her older i love older marilyn i have to say but i think she's hilarious in gentleman for blondes that's my favorite marilyn movie i love the line um don't you know that a man being rich is like a girl being pretty sure you <laughs> wouldn't marry a girl just because she's pretty but my goodness doesn't it help all right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Christine. Thank you for coming by. Good night, Marilyn. We're going to take a not a quick break, but we're going to bring in our director, Drew Ann Rosenberg. Wonderful uh, vision for the film. And thank you for coming. Boy, we don't get a chance to sit down like this very often. You've been hardworking, you know, all over the place, Budapest and, and uh, all over the world. So tell us a little bit about what your vision is for Good Night, Marilyn. Well, initially when I read the script, what attracted me to the project first was the suspense and all of the dynamics and intrigue around the story the last three days before Marilyn died. There were so many different characters and she came into contact with so many converse personalities between the politicians, the Kennedys, the mobsters. She had friends who were communists in, in um Cuba, who were artists, and there was just such a buzz around that world and around her and the intrigue. And then the more I delved, as Don mentioned, 
the more I admired her and just was fascinated with her strength and her power and the way she wasn't a victim, the way she was someone who stood up for so many things, for artist integrity and for civil rights and for animals and for her friends. And all the dynamics of this woman who had strove, striven, is that a word? Who had gotten <laughs> so far in her it career and in her world, only to have it all taken away and to to die at the end. And I just thought the story was just a sensational tale full of, uh, I, you know, my goal is to have the audience gripping their seat and just can't wait to see what's going to happen next yes and we're certainly saying or you're going to be not we're not we're you're going to certainly be setting the tone so so tell us a little bit for for a lot of the maryland fans out there there's some some actresses here today uh you are in search of the maryland uh you know the person the actress to play maryland we're going to be having auditions here as soon as we hear back from our casting director between august 15th and august 30th so for all of you listening uh we will be getting back to you in terms of auditions but what is your vision and your what you're really looking for in the part in my mind the person that's going to play this role is not someone who's a dead ringer for Marilyn per se she doesn't have to have her exact features what she needs to have is that charisma that sexuality that it girl bubbly feeling that this woman just exemplifies I mean it's it's so hard to put your finger on it but we all feel it you know her presence her essence just bubbles in the room I mean and there are lots of different ways of working on the dynamics of her character you know her voice her walk all of those things obviously we want to try to aspire to but in terms of casting our actress it needs to be someone who just has that charisma and that and that shine about them Yes, and I would say also acting chops, given who you've worked with, and you've worked yourself with some very talented directors over your your, your wonderful career. So tell us some of the people you, you, you have worked with as well. Well, as an assistant director, I've worked on five Academy Award winning movies, and I've had the honor of working with, you know, wonderful directors from Woody Allen to Sidney Lumet to Arthur Penn, Rob Reiner, Curtis Hansen, um... Just Jonathan Demi, wonderful, wonderful people. And I should have said that to begin with. As a point of departure, um, our Marilyn needs to be a great actor. So I was going to say yes, yes. That's, that's the point of departure for me. That's something that just has to be there to start with. So, so with Goodnight Marilyn and and the audience, the audience is going to get this this ride that we're going to be going on. Not only in terms of Marilyn, but these two fictional characters that we we bring uh, bring to life. Um, when they leave the audience or leave this, the 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 theater, what do you want them to walk away with? I want them to walk away with a different perspective on what their dreams and goals are. I think that we all have this idea of what it is we think that we want, and whether it be fame or whether it be recognition, um, and we all strive so hard to find these things in ourselves. And then an experience such as the one that we're hoping to give people in this movie May, should make them pause for a minute and try to evaluate whether what they really wanted was what they thought they wanted or not. Wow, that's uh, beautifully said because it certainly uh, brings that up as well. Why a woman director? Does it really matter that it's a woman director directing this film? 
Well, I think particularly now it's really important. There's been a real trend lately in Hollywood for women to assert themselves and to try to show their voice as as women. Um, recently, I read an article uh, by Jill Soloway in IndieWire where she was talking about women needing to come forward and, and express their identity. And particularly with a character like Marilyn, who is such a dichotomy of vulnerability and insecurity and frailty, but at the same time has this incredible strength and passion. Um, I think it's important for me as a, a woman director to echo this women power, women sentiment, and make a great movie at the same time. Not to say that a man couldn't do it, but I think it'd be great for a woman to do it. <laughs> Woo! Let's clap on that one. All right. All right, Standing in the Power, and and many people know this, Marilyn fans certainly do. Marilyn was one of the few people back in the 50s that had her own production company, and that is unheard of back in the day in regards to, and you, you expressed this so beautifully when you said women found their power through men. You know, back in the day, you had to access your power through men. Today, we have the ability to access access it through ourselves, you know, and I think it's more important now than ever that we come together and support each other for the best person to, in this case, direct the movie or the first, the best person to do whatever, man or woman, but that we are supporting each other as women uh, and accessing our power from within. So, here, here. Yeah. You. So I just want to say thank you for stopping by and spending a few minutes with us. I think uh, giving some people some insight into the film now as it's starting to go forward, I think is an important time. So thank you so much. Thank you, Nina. Duran Rosenberg. All right. So let's hear from some of our Maryland moments. Uh, are we taking a break? Oh, yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this with some more Maryland Moments. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Mad Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the KidStar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Quite a quite an interesting uh, experience, I should say, to do a live radio show. Not sure if you're coming or going, but I'm very excited to have with me a tribute artist, Cassandra Carroll. We just heard her new song, and uh, tell us a little bit about the song and what is it called? 
It's called The River of No Return. Oh, I wonder where you got that title. <laughs> and uh, I was just trying to think of a song for today, and I just felt that uh, it was just very in keeping with the day, River of No Return. And um, I have some wonderful people working with me on that track. And uh, the wonderful Sarah Taylor and Bill Moomy, oh, wow. who you all know. And then we're working on our Christmas album starting on Thursday. So wish me luck, everybody. All right. Well, good so luck. It's, it's called A Kiss to Marilyn. Well, one of the things that I love about you, Cassandra, is you have such a beautiful spirit. Very, in a way, similar to Marilyn in the sense of that quality that is uh, soulful. And you always want the best for everybody. Yes. And I, 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 when I think of you, I think about that special quality that Marilyn has as well. What is your favorite Marilyn moment? My favorite Marilyn moment, I think it's got to be, oh, there's so many, but one if I could just, it's that face that she shows in the uh, Prince and the Showgirl. Oh, yes. And she's just this little girl. You just want to hold her and protect her and keep her with you. Aw, that's Take care so of her. Take care of her. I feel her around us today. She's Aww. here. Well, I and mean, she has been here. We, she's been at this booth before. Yes. Booth number five. Yes. So, yes. Well, I want to thank you for stopping by and letting us hear your song thank and you. giving us a little bit uh, special of your little essence and twinkle as well. And so thank, thank you, you, everybody. Thank you, Nina, for keeping the spirit alive. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Well, thank you. Thank Isn't you. Is it delicious? Yes. All right. We've got another Maryland moment as well. Holly Beaven, who has a special quality as well and has uh, definitely has got a, a Marilyn-ness about her and has knows a lot about what it's like to, uh, you know, play Marilyn, be Marilyn in the sense. And it's not an easy task to, to do. So what is your favorite Marilyn moment? Well, given, you know, it kind of really reflects what uh, Ed Asner and Mike Rydell were speaking of earlier and, um, and also... Uh, Drew, uh, when she took her power and uh, started her own production company, I think is my favorite moment of hers because, you know, here she was, the dichotomy between being a woman in the 50s with, like Drew said, being, uh, you know, shaped by men's image and uh, in the studio's image, but yet she took her power and just said, forget it, you know, and one of my favorite moments was being able to tell Sherry Lansing, who was also ahead of a studio, as Marilyn, hey, you don't forget, Marilyn was one of the first producers. Oh, you know, yeah, that's, that's really, good. That's you great. Know, that's and a great Marilyn moment. Yeah, it was a great Marilyn within a Marilyn moment for yeah, me. Exactly. So, all right. Well, that is great. And I want to say thank you so much for supporting the show oh, and supporting Marilyn, obviously, and her <laughs> legacy as well, and for coming by and, uh, you know, giving us a little a little Marilyn twinkle yourself. Uh, thank all right. You. Thank you, fun. Holly Beaven. Woo! All right. <laughs> Great. All right. I have, I have uh, uh, one more, and then we've got to go to our interviews, okay? So, hi. How are you? Emmanuel, Emmanuel. He's stopping by. I love it. Is that my book? <laughs> I love it. Um, I just want to, if you can, give us a, your favorite Maryland moment. My favorite Maryland moment? Mm, yes. I would say from... Um, Let's make love. Let's make love. Yeah, when she's sliding down the pole and says she's not supposed to play with boys. <laughs> That's she great. just did it so That's great. Over the top. I love you know? it. So tell us a little bit about your book and then we gotta get to our interviews here. I oh, love yes. this book. I did the first and only coloring book on Marilyn Monroe, which 
wound up being a coffee table book because people don't want to color it because oh, the artwork is it. exceptional. I l- yes. I did it all by hand. And, wow. Um, it chronologically follows Marilyn's career from the early days to the President Kennedy and all that stuff. And, and where can they get the book? You can get it on Amazon.com. It's called Color Me Marilyn. All right. And um, I was inspired because I'm more of a metaphysician. I'm really into the spiritual realm. And I feel that Marilyn finally got now in this day and age, Marilyn finally got what she really wanted to be loved. Yes. And she was a groundbreaker, but she didn't get it while she was alive to the extent that she needed it. And we're all giving it to her now. So her spirit knows this and she's actually getting what she always searched for. Love, which isn't just sex or money or fame or boyfriends or what have you. (laughs) Universal love. She got it. She got it. I love it. That's a big bang. So thank Thank you you so much, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. So I love it. So you're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Up next, we have actually our um, actually... We have two other of our film. These guys, these are part of the the Maryland uh, film team. And these guys, you guys were with me last fall when we decided to do something about the Maryland investigation. I hired Hayes and Emily that are part of our team. Emily, you you film a lot of the stuff that we have. Hayes, you've been working with our financing. And I don't think either one of you knew what you were getting yourself into when you first uh, started with the film. So tell us what <laughs> attracted you to this, uh, this project. Well, I just moved out to L.A. and met a fellow Santa Rosan, Bosky, <laughs> And uh, she told me about the project. Uh, everybody who is a part of it just seemed so incredible. And it feel, felt like a really good experience for me to practice my skills in video editing and film production and it's been it's been a whirlwind and a great minute. It's been really great so far. And you've been wonderful in putting all of our film pieces and stuff together. So you've been fantastic, Emily. We couldn't do it without you. And Hayes, obviously too, you know, you guys were hired at the same time last fall and you certainly didn't know what you're getting yourself into. Right. I, I think at first it was looked at as kind of a learning experience. But as we got into the project, more and more kind of spoke to me as very similar to what I was trying to do out here in that everyone has a dream they're trying to pursue. And whether that's in film and television or sports or academics, uh, it's very universal, the the theme of this film, uh, and speaks to many different disciplines. And I think that is really what hooked me and had me join on and really throw all my efforts behind getting this film uh, and getting it out so that people can see what we've been working on. And the beautiful thing about what, Hayes, what you have going for you too, both of you do, you're multi-talented and I think in today's day and age as being a filmmaker, you have to have multiple skill sets. But I just want to say that also uh, Hayes is an actor, but he also has a great finance background. Emily is a great editor, but she seems to be shooting stuff and doing just about everything else. So uh, what's your favorite Marilyn moment? Oh, man, there are a lot of favorite Marilyn moments. Um, I just, I really like what she did with the movement for helping the African-American community. Oh, that's nice. That's very nice. That really spoke to me. Yeah, she definitely stood up for for people and stood up for causes when nobody else was. So how about you, Hayes? You give me anything from someone I get hot. uh, (laughs) To me, that is a perfect comedy movie. Um, And she really kind of define the genre and how, how women that age could be very funny and stand with their male counterparts uh, in, in that role. And to me, that was very important still hold that very dear. 
All right. Well, thank you guys for stopping by and giving us a little tidbit. And uh, uh, let's go make a movie. That's right. All right. All right. Thank you so much for stopping by. And all your help and support, you're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky, and we're going to continue the conversation with a couple of more people from the film team. I know you haven't heard from any, really, any of us except for myself in terms of the film team. But we brought on two producers, very, very... accomplished producers scott reed and ron singer they're sitting down right now so just bear with us a little bit and uh i do have their their roster of hits somewhere in my paperwork somewhere but ah you know where has it gone who knows you know so welcome guys welcome to the show thank you thank you all right so let's let's talk a little bit about some of the projects that you are working on right now and i i've lost my list so i know it's here you guys are working on a couple of of movies some really good movies one that i just saw a couple of weeks ago but let's start the one and it does star james franco but you're working on another movie with him right now it's an indubious battle is that what it is Yes, it is. All right, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. It's great to be here. I know, little did you guys all of a sudden popping in in the Formosa Cafe. Did you guys ever frequent here, by the way? Yeah, is we this... actually had offices across at uh, the lot when it was Warner Brothers. No, oh, there and, you go. Uh, about 12 years ago, we started our business here. And who hasn't, uh, you know, been at the Formosa? So tell us a little bit about... Um, some of the the movies that you've worked on, because one of the things we wanted to bring you guys on with this film is we really want um, the people that know independent film, because this is an independent film. It's a $5.3 million budget. You work on films from five, you know, anywhere from $3 million to fifty. You're working on a $15 million project right now, right? All ranges. All ranges, yes, yes. yes. So, so tell us what you're working on right now. What's it besides the Indubious, and what is it about? Well, Indubious Battle is a um, story. It's one of the, uh, what's known as the Dust Bowl trilogy written by Steinbeck. Yes. Everyone knows Grapes of Wrath and everyone knows Mice and Men, but people do not know Indubious Battle. Of course. Which is the third in that series. Wow. So we were very lucky to um, join forces with James Franco and, and a whole group of fantastic actors, very talented cast, to make that film come alive. And when is it expected to be released or finished? Well, we're, we're still working on it, so yeah. um, probably mid-2016. Uh, 2016, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you've completed a few films as well. So what are those, those films that you've just completed? Well, we, we have um, several films that we've just finished. One where um, right now it's doing the, the festival circuit, as they like to call it, <laughs> uh, called I Am Michael. Very yes. controversial film. True story about a gentleman named Michael Glatz, who was a gay activist and then, through a series of events, decided that he was no longer homosexual. Yeah. And it's raising a lot of controversy. And James uh, Franco stars in that one. James Franco plays Michael Glass. And Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts is in it, Zachary Quinto, and a group of other talented folk. Well, you know, I just want to say just... And shout I, out to Justin Kelly, director, writer, oh, who was yeah. great. Very I, talented man. Very talented. And I just have to say, I, I had a, a chance to see this movie uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, and it's not out yet. But what a powerful film. And the people Thank from the you. Friend Movement are going to be here. And I want to put you two in touch because uh, this film needs a voice because it gets... The, the thing I love about it the, the most is it gets people talking about something that needs to be talked about. I think when we when we polarize a viewpoint, like he did in his own life, right? One minute he's being a gay activist, the next minute he's not, right? But if you can have the discussion without it being 
you're either this or that, then then people can get healed. I right. I, I saw the movie. I went down um, the elevator in the parking garage with uh, a couple, a gay couple, male gay gay couple, and one was so triggered by it. And the other one loved it. They both loved it, but they loved it for different reasons. But he was triggered. And, and I think that sometimes you need that, 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 that spark that gets you thinking about something. This film does it. It does cause a lot of discussion, and there has been a lot of reaction. And we feel that, like, like everyone can relate to this because it's really about a person searching for their own identity. That's really right. what the film and is it, about. It doesn't take a position. It was never meant to take a position one way or the other. It's more telling a story about this man and, and, and how his life was. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it just so happens to be based on homosexuality. So so what is your favorite part of movie making? Because you guys have done, a, I mean, between the two of you, you've done like 25 movies. We've been at it for a little while now. <laughs> um, our, I think our favorite part of making a film is on day one of shooting, when the camera starts rolling on that first scene, and we can look at one another and say, okay, we've accomplished Here the we hard are. part. We've done now it. we can have fun and make the film. Make the film. What's the hardest part about making a film? Besides oh, yeah. the funding. That's, the, the hardest part is, is the homework. It's yeah. the pre-production. There's no question about it. And it, is there a, a favorite movie you guys have had over the years in terms of movies? Is there one that you, that you look back and go, wow, that was the one? Scott, do you have a favorite? You know, we've... Each film is its own, its own like living thing, and it's like, what's your favorite, your son or your daughter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you love know, them all. You love them all. You love them and all for different reasons, and you hate them all for different reasons. At yeah, different times. But you know, each film has its own set of challenges, its own rewards. The reward is really making the film, getting it on its feet, getting it funded, getting it cast. Uh, that's the job. That's the job. I mean, ideally, the films that stick with you the longest are the ones that have some type of redeeming value that, you know, right. have a message and that you've actually made that film and can get that message out there. Right. That's the thing. And we've done a few of them. I mean, The Bronx Bull was a great film for us. We shot it here in Los Angeles. So what's that one about? Uh, that's, you know, that's originally, it's based on the novel Raging Bull 2. Wow. So if you ever saw Raging Bull with yeah. Robert De Niro, this takes on the story of his childhood and his uh, life moving kind of through him being boxing champion into his uh, later years, uh, Jake LaMotta. And uh, it's a great story. It's period, takes place in the 30s. And we really got to pull out all our bags of tricks. We had period vehicles. We had period costumes, wonderful sets, great people. And we made it for a prize with a wonderful cast. And uh, that movie's hopefully going to be released this year. And we'll see how it does. All right. So you've got a, a few movies in the works. We do. And uh, uh, one in particular that I seem to be very excited about is Goodnight Maryland. So uh, tell us what attracted you to this project yes, and why you wanted to get involved. We've heard of this film. This is <laughs> yeah. one that we particularly It's like. all over the place now. Isn't that now? the one about Marilyn Monroe? It is. It is. Yeah. All right. See? I don't <laughs> No. What movie hasn't been? I mean, how many times is this? The, the great thing I like about this film, though, is that nobody's done a film like this. It's not a biopic about her, which is one of the things that I love that we're doing something unique. Um, but what did you guys, why did you guys, attra- you know, the fact that you've seen a lot of Maryland films or Maryland scripts, I should say. We have. We have. There, there are a lot of projects that have come across our table. This film particularly stood out as a very special project. I love the fact that this Marilyn is not just that glamorous Marilyn that 
everyone thinks of at first thought. Yes. It's the down to earth. It's the Maryland underneath. Yeah, it's the layers. Yeah. It's the layers. And it's um, the last, you know, few days of her life. And, yes. And that's the controversy. What happened? Nobody really we love knows that. what happened. I and know. And we're going to tap into that. And, you know, when you do a film that's of such a big brand as Mellow Monroe, you know, you really got to have that hook. And what's the hook? The hook is, is we're going to deal with the, the meat. Yeah, yeah, and, and exactly. I like that. That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So we're, uh, you know, if you were to, you know, there's going to be, a, there's a lot of uh, actresses and even people that want to direct and produce. I've been asking this question all day. Is what advice? Because you guys obviously have staying power. You've been doing movies for a long time. You know, it's never easy. I, we all know that, right? But what advice would you give to people just starting out? Don't give up. Keep working hard. It's the same advice you hear from every celebrity that's made it big. Uh, you know, we hope to be in that position one day as producers. You know, we're lucky to be working. We're happy to be working. But, you know, when you're sitting there and, and it's all piled up against you and you're like, how am I going to do this? Just keep going forward. you got to believe in what you're doing. If you have a project like Goodnight Maryland, just don't stop. There have been projects I've seen that have taken three months to get on its feet and others that have taken 10 years. And there's really no difference between them other than how long it takes to get them made. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like someone said to me just today, you know, I've been working on this thing for over a year now. <laughs> and it's like, oh, have you? You know, so. Yeah, so you just started. Got yeah, it. Okay. Right, right. You know, so really that's the thing. And, and you know, I Am Michael, for instance, took us three years to get on its feet. And nobody from the agencies to the financiers and all that, um, you know, was able to put it together sooner. And that it gives a good opportunity effort. to thank Michael Mendelson and Patriot oh, yes. Pictures yeah. for stepping forward and having yeah. the vision that says a lot to there. finance that picture. That really Without does. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's been the one actually on a lot of our movies where they wouldn't have been made if it weren't. Let's for do him. a little shout out to Michael Mendelson. Thank you. Woo! You know what it takes. You know, film uh, business is risky anyway, and but it's also a very powerful film. And and you know, whenever you you take a stand on something, right, it's going to create controversy to some degree. But also at the same time, it gets people talking. And we always want to play it safe. And and I think that's one thing. You know, earlier in that you guys weren't here yet, but uh, you know, some of the old Hollywood classic Hollywood actors that have been around for a while that were here mm-hmm. talking about how difficult it is to make that movie right and and how uh fragmented we we've become and it's not easy to make a movie and so when you do something out of the box that's what really what we're wanting we're not this we don't no. want to do the another kardashian you know what no, i mean doing something like that or, controversy is you know? our friend exactly exactly we want people to talk about our projects so so what do you think in terms of obviously we haven't made the movie in terms of good night maryland yet but what do you want people to walk away with at the end of this movie, so they're like you know what with I am Michael. Mm-hmm. What do you want, Good Night Marilyn? Well, first and foremost, people will walk out of this film talking. <laughs> they will walk out of this film with opinions and talking, and that's what's so exciting because obviously the the legend built around Marilyn Monroe, the the whole story, uh, you know, has. It's its own life. It's its own subculture. And everyone has an opinion. So the idea that we could do a film that brings those questions to light and yeah. possibly possibly brings answers to some of these questions that have been, you know. Yes. You know, as time goes on, we find out more and more and more. Um, you know, 
I mean, we could get into a whole conversation for six hours about the government and about JFK <laughs> and about Maryland and about, you know, what happened and why. But there's a lot of different speculation. Yeah, and that's what, you know, one of the things that we're doing with the show is really trying to dispel fact from fiction mm-hmm. right. and probable theory from outlandish rumor. And every week I learn something new. And I sit there and I go, what I thought was true isn't right. and what do. is may not be or you know what I mean? you just never know in terms of you know what's true and what's not true that's and that's the wonderful thing about this film it's a creative Agreed. entertainment feature it's a thriller noir and we'll spend the real life investigation and hopefully this is one of my goals here is that through the real life investigation of this uh, of Marilyn that at the end of the credits for Goodnight Marilyn you, you go through this ride and at the end we'll be able to see and and read what actually happened to her and we can put this mystery to an end or at least get people talking a little bit more so I want to thank you guys for stopping by and spending a little time with us today thank you we look forward to that goal oh yeah I love it I love it so thank thank you you. you're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio I'm Nina Bosky we'll be back right after this the experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com mad genius radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. She was a primitive, a naive, an honest person, an idealist. And every time she'd run counter to what was evil or bad in a society, she'd suffer for it. She had no handle on life. But by God, she had, to, she had some other things, you know, that uh, if we knew what they were, we could sell that patent to DuPont and they could manufacture it. Because one would think that it's not that difficult. Maybe it's tough to, to have another, to make another gobble. But it uh, uh, should be easier, blonde, uh, small girl with a sweet face. My God, there should be thousands of them. They come from all over the world. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Good Night, Marilyn. I'm Nina Bosky, and we have been talking to people from the movie Good Night, Marilyn. Prior, we had some wonderful guests with Mark Rydell, Ed Asner, Kevin Dobson. Ron Masek. Uh, boy, it's been a wonderful day, and all of you, thank you so much. And we're going to hear from people who have, have traveled the globe to be here today. I'm very excited, you know, because we do have some global fans. And what is your name? My name is Karen Myers. And where are you from? I'm from Newcastle. Oh, wow. So um, what is your favorite Marilyn moment? I love her singing, I Want to Be Loved by You. Oh, wow. That's a real cute song, and I, I love her voice. And what do you love about her the most? I love her talent. I think she's unique. There's never been anybody like her before. Um, I'm interested in her childhood as well. Yeah. I think her childhood's pretty sad, but it's unique. And I think that made her into what she was. Yeah. And yeah. I'm busy writing about her as well. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you have a beautiful uh, little one here. And Jamie Myers. Jamie, Jamie Louise Myers. Jamie Louise Myers. And how old are you? I think this is one of our youngest Marilyn seven. fans. You're seven years old and you are quite, you guys, you can't see her. We're going to have to post a picture of this beautiful little soul. She's got the cutest dimples, the beautiful red hair and these blue, beautiful blue eyes for those of you are just, uh, and I, you remind me a little bit of the innocence of Marilyn, you know, back in the day when she had a dream why do you you said you love Marilyn what do you love about her <laughs> singing you like her singing and what do you like her to what do you like her singing she loves diamonds or a girl's best friend oh, do you know the words at all <laughs> but she loves it. Oh, you know, it's so cute. She's so beautiful. And, and what a wonderful essence, too. And that she, you know, Maryland fans all over the world, but also Maryland fans that are young as seven years old. So oh, yeah. everybody loves yeah. Maryland. So thank you so much for coming out and spending okay. a few minutes with us, okay? Thank you, Nina. All right. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. And we have another guest coming up right now. All right. Woo. Okay. Hi. All righty, all righty, all righty. We've got, who do we have here? Who do we have? Jay Margolis. Woohoo! Jay Margolis. How you doing? How are you doing? How Good. are you? So tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm a Marilyn Monroe biographer. I've written two books on her uh, death, and uh, she was definitely murdered. Yeah, so, so I, you know what? We use your book, so tell us a little bit about, um, about this. But and before I say that, I'd like yeah. to say my favorite Marilyn moment 
was when she said to William J. Weatherby, she said, no sex is wrong as, as long as there's love in it. So, <laughs> you know, um, that was really, you know, uh, she was ahead of her time. You know, yeah, that was really a statement was. that accepted many groups of people who were, you know, excluded during that time. And, and you wrote a book, The Murder of Marilyn Monroe, Case Closed, yes, right? with and my co-author Richard Buskin. He's a New York Times bestselling <laughs> author. He also wrote A Blonde Heat, The Sizzling Screen Career of Marilyn Monroe, which uh, documented her films. Uh, it was a book that was done when no other book was really focusing on the behind the scenes of all her films. So what got you interested in Marilyn? Uh, when I first picked up a book by George Barris at Borders over in Santa Monica before they shut down, um, I picked it up and I was like, wow, you know, uh, Paul Giamatti could play George Barris and Charlize Theron could play Marilyn. But then I was thinking <laughs> that Charlize is too tall, you know. So. Yeah, she is a little tall, isn't she? It's, yeah. hard, it's hard to find that right person to play Marilyn. But when huh? I, when I uh, read his book, it says right there in the beginning, it says, I will, it will always be my conviction that she was murdered. That's what he said. That's what Mr. Barris said. Well, we'll certainly going to, uh, this is not the show, but we will have another show and I'll have you on as a guest and we'll talk about a little bit more about your theories and why you think she was murdered. But I will say for right now, we're celebrating her life exactly. and, and the beautiful honoring of, of her death. And, but you, if you, besides what you said about your Marilyn moment is what about Marilyn that you think that really, um, why she's lasting 53 years later, you know, well, she's more popular that, today. You know, her image frozen in time at the time of her death, she, you know, was not yet old. You know, she just, nobody will ever see her that way. And so she will always be immortal. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, she always wanted to be such a kind, caring person to the close friends that she had because she knew how it was to be mistreated when she was growing up. All right. Well, I'm going to have you back, Jay Margolis. The okay. book is The Murder of Marilyn Monroe, Case Closed. Thank you so much for being well, here welcome. and giving us a little insight into hey. why you loved her so much. Oh, this is here. She's oh, smiling. you can, you can have it, that. Yeah. Are you going to Are you going to autograph it for me? Yeah, sure. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're okay. listening to Good Night Marilyn Radio. And we just, before we bring up uh, Dana Randall, uh, I've got uh, the boys from the Friend Movement. All right. Come on up, boys and, uh, boys and girls, because... It's an equal opportunity. We've got Ronnie. We've got Ed. We've got, oh, we, hello, Jeannie. Hi, Nina. How are you? Oh, I'm so glad. Hey, to Nina, have how you. are oh, you? God. How many times have we done this? I, after the show, I want you to talk to Scott and Ron. They have a beautiful movie called I Am Michael, and I think you guys could do a beautiful radio show around this, this topic and get the conversation going. So what I'm we doing for Good Night, Marilyn... You guys could be doing that about this movie. Very, very powerful. So tell us a little bit about the friend movement and why that's important. Because I think that also um, Marilyn, she was into causes. She loved to help the underdog. She loved standing up for human rights, animals. What does friend movement do? movement do and how can we support you? I mean, really, we feel that if the problem is bullying, the simplest solution is just friendship. It's having a dialogue like we are today about how we can be better friends to ourselves and to other people around us. And I think that if Marilyn were alive today, she'd probably be like the head of the the friend movement. I mean, you know, she was really, I mean, in a lot of ways, she was that person that had that heart. And, you know, you hear the stories of her being difficult, but her friends that knew her, would say this generosity that she had as well. So what is your favorite Marilyn moment? 
You know, for me, it's just the way she shows up in the world. One of my favorite quotes that I'll paraphrase is that we're all stars and we all deserve to twinkle. And I think she was so raw and so real and so willing to be vulnerable with all of us in Hollywood that that's why she inspires me. Because I think a lot of times we get to Hollywood and we feel like we have to put on a show or we have to be something that we're not to be accepted. And she wasn't afraid to just show up in the world, embrace her crazy and just like, <laughs> and acknowledge everybody's light. She yeah. just acknowledged people for who they were and celebrated that. You know. And Ed? You know, and it, well, actually, I think my, my favorite Marilyn, uh, Marilyn moment has got to be anything from Some Like It Hot. Oh, I yeah. just, I love the movie. I loved everything about the movie, especially when uh, Shell Oil, that was my, my favorite scene. <laughs> That's always going to be my favorite scene. Oh, well. Um, and it's interesting that you bring up Marilyn with a heart and bringing up art because we have, um, uh, Friend Movement had, had its first opening at the uh, Pacific Design Center with the Friend Movement Art with a Heart. Yes. And uh, it, it's a great uh, project where we're, we're promoting arts to a lot of young kids and uh, getting that going. And one of our feature pictures is by Javi, uh, and it's, it's a Marilyn Monroe piece. And it's a wonderful, it it's is a, a beautiful it's piece. It's a beautiful piece. And it, I'm going to say this if it doesn't get sold soon, in this investigation, because it's got the kind of the investigation kind of feel to it, right? It's a very unique piece for that very unique owner. That piece, when it goes, it's just going to go. I mean, oh, absolutely. Really so we're going to help you. If you don't sell it on your, you know, through this, we'll help you sell it, obviously, because I think that there's going to be a wonderful collector out there that will love this piece. And, well, we should and actually- we, we've actually extended that gallery, too, from that opening. Um, uh, the Pacific Design Center has their Art Walk, Design LA. Oh, wow. And so from August 1st to September 17th, those, be pieces, be those pieces will be out. Okay, so, I, so so where can they find it? Because I know well, Maryland fans. I mean, it is a very unique piece. If you actually go to the Goodnight Maryland uh, website, you will see it under the investigation picture. We're utilizing that. It's just remember, it's a painting. It's not a picture. It's really cool because Javi is an architect as well as an artist. And so he actually paints souls over blueprints. So wow. it's a blueprint and... And Marilyn's portrait is painted over, over this blueprint. It. Yeah, very unique. Um, but let us say, on behalf of our friend family at Friend Movement, how excited we are to see the buzz around this film I know, it's and everything good. you guys are doing. You know, to to, to keep Marilyn's um, memory alive and and, and hopefully find out what happened to her because yeah. you know it's one thing to do an entertainment feature and it's creative and it's fun. It's another thing to really look at the real life investigation because at the end of the day, she was a star. But as you guys know more than anybody, she was a human being. Absolutely. You know, and and we all deserve that vindication as well. So I want to say thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for having us. Well, we love us. being here, okay. especially since you guys serve such great cake because I'm waiting to cut it. i got to have a piece of the cake. I'm sticking We're around for the cake. We're almost there. We're almost there. All right. You're listening. We to love you guys. Thank right. you so thank much, you. Nina. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. We'll be back in just a quick moment, and uh, we'll be talking about the investigation. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. You are listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Marilyn Live Talk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Goodnight Maryland Radio. We are definitely shifting gears one more time. We are going from, as you knew, the Maryland moments and the golden age of Hollywood here at the Formosa Hotel, uh, Hotel Formosa Cafe. <laughs> I'm looking at some more pictures. We have Audrey Hepburn. We have Angie Dickinson. Uh, Elvis, Jane right? Russell up there. Jane Russell, but Next you know, there's also like uh, you know a great uh, autograph from the Colonel himself, and this is such history of yeah. the golden age of Hollywood, right? It's, it's fun to be sitting here at this booth I where know. Marilyn herself sat, which is. It's kind of wild. unbelievable. It's kind of wild. And then when you look at that we moved into the movie Goodnight Marilyn and really, you know, why this all actually started, at least for myself, right? And then about a year ago to really think about, you know, the investigation aspect of it and, and looking at really why and what happened to her. When I went to go back and look at why this case had not been opened in over 30 years and there's still this mis you know information that's out there um that's why we're doing this show but i did want to bring on a woman who is instrumental not only in the movie but instrumental in the investigation room the television and the real life investigation of marilyn monroe because i've said this many of times that she is not uh just a star she's a human being and you've also heard me say this but i'll say it again is that it, 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 a lot of times people will say that it's tragic, it's tragic. 
but it'll only stay in tragedy if it's not transformed. And right. coming to the truth is really important. So I'd also like to introduce, she's been on the radio show several times, Dana Kent, who is the co-creator and uh, uh, of, of the investigation room with me, but the real life investigation, who's been working with me tirelessly. And, uh, <laughs> I like how that sounds. Yes. In, in making sure that we have world-renowned experts in the field of pathology, in the field of law and legal, and as well as the Maryland experts that you guys have uh, heard each and every week on the radio show, uh, Gary Vitaka Robles, Mary Jane uh, Gray, and also Leslie Kasperowitz, as well as Lois Banner, who has contributed as well. But we have a big announcement. This is a really big announcement because we have um, Dr. Cyril Weck on uh, with us as our forensic pathologist. But due to your due diligence, uh, yes, and uh, you know, uh, building this this team. Uh, tell us the exciting news, Dana. Well, I will. <laughs> and welcome. Thank you. Um, because this is an amazing collaborative effort between having an assembled group of experts and people, the audience, and everybody that's invited to unravel the truth and this relentless pursuit to the truth, which is so wonderful in this piece, I think it's why people are responding the way that they are, particularly the person who I'm going to announce right now. Now, what I didn't expect when I called New York, I thought I'd have to go through a lot of gatekeepers to get to him, but he answered the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Which is unusual. It is unusual. At any rate, I'm happy and pleased to announce that Dr. Michael Badden, who had the series, the HBO series Autopsy, he is a nationally critically acclaimed uh, pathologist. And in addition to that, he had high-profile cases like O.J. Simpson, and you've seen him currently probably on Fox News. The exciting part about this is because we have Dr. Cyril Weck, and now we have Dr. Michael Baden. So here you're putting two amazing heads together, and there's not any better time than now, not just with this new technology, because it's not 1962 anymore, and it's now, and maybe the time is just right. So even though the film spoke of the last three days of her life, it really, really sparked and triggered the mystery surrounding her death. And that being said, we've taken that mystery to a whole nother level, and that's really where it goes to you, because this Voice America platform has been so amazing in terms of just attracting everybody, not just from an entrance standpoint, from actually from an input standpoint. There is a desire to get to resolution in this, and there's a desire to honor her in this way. But I will have to say one more thing. This will be an investigation with the heart, because we are going to get to know who she really is, not just everything surrounding her death. And because of that, this investigation will only give credibility to facts that are substantiated. We're not really interested in the sensationalism. And I, and I just want to mention one more thing. The thing with Ed Asner this morning what was so cool to me. <laughs> a lot of things were cool to me about that guy. But the, the thing that stood out where it applies to the investigation, he was talking about uh, you know, brotherhood and oneness within our culture. Part of our objective is to actually raise the consciousness to being truthful, to being a new culture, to evolving. And if that's the objective, which it absolutely is in this investigation, what better way to honor what Ed Asner said to bring that back around? Let's bring that brotherhood. Let's bring that consciousness. And more importantly, let's bring that oneness because it will be the people and all of our experts. Well, you know, you say something really wonderful. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's an openness (laughs) to getting to the truth, right? Is that when I first started and started looking at this, you know, people were like, oh, yeah, it's already been looked at. Oh, yeah, another, another one trying to reopen the case, right? Yes. And I think what's happening now is that 
we're not going after the blame game. Yesterday, I had the wonderful opportunity to talking to the LAPD, Andrew Smith over there, media relations, and he knows I'm going to be calling him again. And the beautiful <laughs> thing about it is that there's an openness there that wasn't there before because I'm not. I'm my agenda isn't our our agenda, not my agenda. Our agenda is not to uh, get into the blame game. Our this is a historical case at this point. Absolutely, it's about getting to the truth and I actually think that everybody wants to get to the truth now. I don't feel like there's a lot of reasons not to. And 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 also if you if you hear I mean here's here's a fact. Um, in 1962 the way that we looked at everything was different. We all know that. Well guess what? Physicians in the way that people medicated and gave health care or psychological care, they weren't really held accountable. Not from the studios, not from the physicians, not anything. But today we do hold everybody accountable for the way that they give treatment. That's where our culture has evolved. So even being that being said, if you think about what happened in the case with Marilyn, to have something that says probable, as if I meant this to happen, as opposed to, well, perhaps, even if it's not everything else that we don't know about or have, yeah. have substantiated yet, just back to the simple way in which it's changed history today, it would be considered an accidental because she was over-medicated by her physicians. They all gave her things and they didn't monitor. Today, if you're Michael Jackson's doctor, you're in jail. Yeah. But you weren't in jail in those days. So that also speaks to how our culture has sort of evolved. And now we do take responsibility about how we treat our patients. And that's a good thing. And, you know, another thing that I want to mention that we don't talk about, it gets, it gets kind of lost in the pathology. And I think this is something that Gary Vitaco Robles is bringing to the table is her mental health. Absolutely, and and and, and th- there is a lot of people in this country, in this in this world, that are over medicated. We think that if we take a, a pill, that somehow because our doctor prescribed it to us, that that's okay, and then we become addicted to it. And I think that in terms of the mental health ability to look at things as, uh, as again a human being, not a, a pill popper. You know what I mean? Right. It, it, she's to 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 just say that she was a pill popper and taking all these drugs. Uh, it's much deeper than that for anybody that may be struggling with sleep, with uh, some mental illness, at Absolutely. least in a family. You know? No, no, I, and, and look, the other thing is that the studios of the day, they certainly looked at that differently. You know, yeah. it's not the way that it's managed today. And as far as how the interaction of drugs pertains, as, as far as how it really uh, affects these, these poor people, you know, people that are going through mental illness and what that looks like, they need to have a collaboration between physicians. They need them to talk so that they know what the left hand is doing while the right hand's giving her another drug. It's important. It's really important. So the goal of our show in Real Life Investigation is what, Dana? Our goal is to be able to take the collaboration between amazing, credible people that have the, the now technology and the ability today, even given the way that we look at things, and invite an audience and the people who also has wonderful input as you've been having on your show and they will have in the investigation room as, as well and to have something so compelling that actually will take our consciousness and our healing place to a guess what we're going to find out the truth because guess what the truth really does prevail and wouldn't that be nice as I said at the very beginning the truth will set you free yeah, it will <laughs> what's your favorite Marilyn Monroe oh no I got one okay, okay so in the, in the Prince and the Showgirl you know she still had the Marilyn sort of thing that she did but there was a moment with Laurence Olivier where she talked, she talked to him in a very philosophical, authoritative, in the know kind of like uh, uh, like woman that was not the Marilyn 
a woman, I felt like, good, Marilyn, you got your digging, because that's really who you are. <laughs> good one. And Randall. I, I, yeah, I want to I add one thing to what Ed Asner said before and what you said about awakening consciousness. Um, it's time, really, for the mystery to be revealed as far as what happened. And we're here to, you know, as much as we can, be crusaders for the truth about this case. And we want to focus on not only Marilyn herself and her, the, 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 her humanity of who she was and what she, what she was really seeking in her life because she got herself caught up in the biggest political intersection of, of recent history. I mean, look at what was going on at the time of 1962. You had all these, the, you know, the president, the, the FBI, the CIA controversy, Cuba, the, the, the rise of the, of the, of the, you know, the different mob families and uh, Robert Kennedy's, you know, relentless pursuit to be able to do something about the crime situation in this country. And here's Marilyn in the middle of all Absolutely. this. So no wonder this case is so complex because the situation at that time of history was incredibly complex, probably one of the most complex times in history of the last 50 years Agreed. that we've looked at. So as we look at this case and start to take it apart and analyze each individual piece, you know, it's going to take a team of experts like we've assembled to be able to look at each individual part of this and figure out how this very complex puzzle actually fits together. And eventually, with all these little pieces, once you put the pieces together, it will show a picture. And hopefully that picture will be as close to the truth as as one could get today. All right. And your favorite Maryland moment. You know what? I love Marilyn before she had the big Marilyn persona. I love her early films. I just watched The Asphalt Jungle on TCM the other night. And I love Don't Bother to Knock with Richard Widmark. Oh, wow. That film, if you really want to see her perform as an actress in her early role, go watch that movie. It's amazing. Marilyn herself said she took a lot from her own mother playing that role. Oh, wow. Well, that's wow. So, yeah, we I go. mean, those are my favorites. I love the fair, the wonderful, everybody's got an interesting little Maryland moment. So, all right, guys, thank you so much for stopping by and spending a little time with us and sharing uh, what's going to be happening with the investigation Absolutely. and some wonderful news about Dr. Michael Batten and uh, the two of them together and the audience. I know, I know, Dana, you do this. We all do it when we're watching an expert and then we have questions. The good thing about what we're going to be doing is people will be able to interact with the experts. So it'll be great. So, Thank you. All right. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. We just have a few more Maryland moments, and then we have come to the end of the show, the live broadcast live from the Formosa Cafe. We've got a few more. Yes. Uh, yes. Hi. How are you? All right. Well, let's let, – hi. How are you? What's your name? Donna Cardan. Oh, and where are you from? Northridge, California. All right. Well, tell us a little bit. What is your Maryland moment? I love all her movies. The one I like the best is Some Like It Hot. All right. And why do you like Some Like It Hot? I go to Memorial every year, too. (laughs) And so I'll see you tomorrow, then. Yes. Yes, A lot of fans that are here in Los Angeles will be coming tomorrow to the Memorial of Marilyn Monroe. Fifty-three years ago today... Uh, she passed away, and you think about it, it's, it's what, close to 2 o'clock, right? So it was the afternoon, and she had no idea, nor did uh, some of the people that were in her life at that moment, that that would have been the last day that they were talking to her. So thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, sure. My mother met Marilyn Monroe. Oh, really? Back in the early 40s. They worked together at oh my the gosh. assembly line at Lockheed Burbank. And she remembers, I remember she told me that, 
She had long red hair, and she was very quiet she and shy. She was Norma Jean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she, but that's the name she went by. Yeah. But she was very quiet and shy. She didn't have many friends because she was very shy. My mother talked to her. But then later on, she wasn't working there at Lockheed anymore. She just disappeared. Yeah, that was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Ooh, not sure exactly what happened there. Uh, no, not just on my side. So uh, there's a loud, loud little noise on my side. But thank you so much for stopping by and thank sharing you. that wonderful story. Thank you. That's so wild. It's like in my little my uh, ears. Well, you're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'd like to thank everybody, all of you guys that showed up today and spending some time with us today. Thank you so much. So let's do our ultimate, before we close today's show, let's do the ultimate shout-out to Marilyn Monroe herself. Let's, one, two, three. Live from the Formosa Cafe. Once again, I'm Nina Bosky, and as you know, my line is, never stop dreaming. Very good. Towards the end of her life, before she went... Uh, out, uh, let's say, to do something where she was really nervous, she would often turn to someone and say, hold a good thought for me, which is knowing that's like a little prayer. And towards the end of her life, she started doing that again, asking people to hold a good thought for me. And sometimes I think, you know, you can say that her life was tragic and that she's dead, but you know what? Millions of people are still holding a good thought for her. And that's a lot more than can be said for a lot of people who are still here in the body. That's pretty good. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Good Night Maryland Radio with Nina Bosky can be heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to tune in again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.